Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Pengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. All right, here we go. Yeah, things are a little bit a little bit disorganized today. In fact, a lot disorganized today. Uh, I actually had, um, I don't know if you've ever done this. I did this, and it's, uh, I've never done this before, but I was setting the alarm uh, last night, and I managed to set my clock back an hour, <laughs> like, you know, like, like uh, daylight savings time when daylight savings ends, you get back to standard time. That's not happening yet. No, this is November 1st, but I woke up an hour later than I thought. I look at my clock. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, no problem. Get up, make breakfast, all that kind of stuff, and I look around and go, oh, my God, I've lost an hour. Where did it go? Which one's wrong? <laughs> You know, it can't be an hour later. So this is one of those kind of crazy things. Anyway, uh, this is a government inquiry report uh, with Brianna Cannon. So Brianna's online right now. So let's get her on. And uh, it, it, anything crazy like that lately, Brianna? Totally stupid. <laughs> nope, not for me like that. But it has happened oh. um, before, but not about like changing time. Just like um, okay. sometimes where you don't hear the alarm or you don't turn the alarm volume up, you know. Like yeah, that. yeah. I actually missed um, twice. I've done this once. I woke up about eight minutes before a show, um, and this is back. Uh, you know, it was back when we were two hours, and I was doing a lot more other stuff, um, extra jobs, things like that. And uh, yeah, I missed. You know, I woke up eight minutes before a show. I had nothing prepared. It was crazy because normally I get up like two, three hours before a show, and and so I get it going, and and I just improvised the whole thing. I literally improvised the show. It was hysterical. It was one of the best ones that ever, just because it was so improvised. People called in, hey, what's going on, Greg? You know, what's happening? Let me tell you what. So, so people were like doing my show for me. It was hysterical. And then another time, I actually woke up a few minutes, about 13 minutes into the show. That was really embarrassing. Fortunately, I had uh, one of my reporters called in early, you know, and said, well, I'm just going to do the show without Greg. <laughs> so we've got this incredible group here. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the folks that uh, that are part of this. Anyway, so that's that's my day. I hope your day is a lot more organized than mine because I'm still I'm still playing catch up. It's going to be an interesting uh, interesting time. So what's in your mind? What's been going on? What's uh, what you've been thinking about? What shall we inquire on today? So I thought today we could talk a little bit about elections. Oh, Since, how about you know, that? Brazil's or ours? <laughs> Brazil's election or our election? <laughs> ours. That sounds good. No, not Brazil. We'll get to Brazil. Later. Did, did, in Brazil, though, did they actually vote back in the same person that was in there already? How about that? They they voted the communists back in from a very popular conservative president. How did that happen? Let me see. Oh, I don't know. Voting machines, rigging the polls, uh, mail-in ballots, propaganda. Yeah. Let me see. Have we seen this before? Gee, I think so. 2020, maybe? Yeah. So it's uh, all of us. In fact, that's what, that'll be. I've got a ton of articles on this. I'll be uh, going over that um, with Josie in, in the next hour because she's going to do her report on the stolen Brazilian election. So uh, speaking of stolen elections, let's talk about ours. <laughs> Your turn. Let me put it this way. Take it away, oh. Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you in the swing. Of um, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that somebody did a movie about it. I haven't seen it. It's called 2,000 Mules. About yes. 
um, now, election. Oh, gee, I wish I'd known. Uh, America, One American News has been playing it for free because it's usually a documentary download. You've got to pay for it. Uh, but they've been running it for free uh, all last weekend. I think maybe even the weekend before. They may be running it this weekend, too. And you can't get them on DirecTV because uh, they took it off. And AT&T has taken it off. And I think other networks have, too. But you can get the website. Um, it's like five bucks a month for, for one American news. And they were showing 2000 views. I saw it. So it's, it's pretty incredible. So please ask away. What can I tell you about it? Um, I don't know. What, what do you know about interesting it? things or I guess surprising. Yeah. Um, what do you know about the film? I know that it, I really only know like the overview about it, of it like going over all the different like, um, uh, extra ballots that were added. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me give and you I don't the, know uh, if it goes yeah. over all the dead voters or not, but I know that's a very prominent thing. <laughs> the <it>. dead voters. <laughs> what about the dead voters? Forget that. You know, you, know, you don't see that in the polls, right? You, you have the, you know, they have various groups, racial groups, you know, male, female groups. You don't see the dead group. <laughs> they actually do that as a poll. What are the, how are the dead people voting this year? Well, let me say, they're usually about Democrat. Um, <laughs> I thought that would be a great comedy. I should, oh, can, I, can I steal that? The dead vote. I might make a, 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 <laughs> like a fake news thing. No, I'm serious. You're a genius. I, this, is, this is great. This is what I love having you on the show. Um, the dead vote. So what I, I can do is like this political thing. In fact, you and I can kind of do a, just like right now. So, Brianna, what do you think the dead, the dead vote is going to be this year? How are dead people going to be voting? Well, Greg, <laughs> and that's where you come in. So just say, well, Greg, and then continue with that. Let me, so we'll try it one more time. You ready? Well, Brianna, what do you think of the dead vote this year? How are they going to vote? Well, Greg, I think that they might be kind of silent, but the other ones may be a strong push for the Democrats. <laughs> and that is the essence of improv. Let me give you a round of applause. Here. That's how we do it. Have you ever taken an improv class? No. You should. You should definitely do that. It would, first of all, it helps with the show, but secondly, it helps with life. You know, because people will say outrageous things, you just run with it. You know, you, you don't say, "Oh, that's insane, that's crazy." And you just say, "Okay, fine, yeah," and you just kind of go with whatever happens. Uh, I have a, um, at the risk of being incredibly politically incorrect, which I do on a regular basis. I made a, a piece on the uh, the January white sale. I don't know if you remember January white sales. That that used to be where um, in January. All of the, 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 the sheets, pillowcases, towels, things like that, they're on discount. They were for sale after Christmas, right? Because, you know, all the ones they thought they'd sell for the holidays, they didn't sell. They put them on sale. So, you know me, right? I had to take that and say that uh, Black Lives Matter was having a January white sale, except it was white people, okay? So <laughs> it gets worse. I'll, I'll play that for you if you want because it's, it's pretty outrageous anyway. Uh, you know, I, if, if once, once the, the, the left gets a hold of what we're actually doing here, we're going to have some uh, very interesting commentary. Anyway, so I played this piece, and then Pianchi, who's, who's black, calls up and says, yeah, uh, is this the right show? I, I said, for what? I said, do you want to buy a white person? He says, well, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> the conversation went, went from there. It was hysterical. But that's, that's, that's what we do here. That's improv. So uh, whatever you want to say, if you think you're going to be outrageous, think again. You're probably going to be well within the bounds of Action Radio. On that note, back to you, Brianna. <laughs> so... On this, there's actually a meme that somebody made. Uh-huh. It says, I understand why the dead, why dead people vote Democrat. If I couldn't work, I would want someone to take care of me, too. 
Ah, that's great. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, we get. To, I gotta get you on Facebook sometime when you when you uh, uh, feel like doing it. Um, it's interesting. A lot of folks, you know, it must be a generational thing, but because uh, we have memes and we have all kinds of political stuff, and I've got about twenty different groups, uh, but I don't have like a political satire one yet. I've got. I just added international news, and I'm gonna put all the stories on the Brazilian election on that. But uh, that's great. Uh, but it, it's the big joke. I mean, how did dead people vote? Well, it's because they're still in the voter rolls. So one of our bills, you might be interested in this. I wrote this a little bit ago for Florida, although it could apply uh, depending on, on what problems you have. Florida has a particularly onerous bill that says that when you register to vote, all that information becomes public record. Now, it was okay before computers. You know, it's kind of like a phone book. You know, you could be unlisted. It took trouble for people to look everybody up. But with the Internet, anybody can look up anybody. It's got your name, it's got your address, it's got your birthday, it's got your phone number. Uh, it doesn't have social security number or driver's license, but who cares? It's got everything else. It's got your email. Uh, it's got enough stuff to really cause you a lot of grief. Uh, anybody can find anybody in Florida just by going online because these idiots in the legislature, they took the, the idea of sunshine way too far. So that to me is, is dangerous and should be gotten rid of. They protect the identity and the residences of judges, of government officials, uh, police officers, things like that. So who says their life is more valuable than mine? So I think everybody should have, uh, you know, be able to not have their address. That should be secret unless law enforcement has a reason and go through a search warrant to get it. So uh, do you have that in Oklahoma or are you guys uh, a little more protected than that when you register to vote? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Um, but it'd be something interesting to find out. Now, here's the, here's the provision I'm getting to. That's the, first Slow down, Greg. That's the first provision of the bill. The second one, all voter registrations expire December 31st at midnight. So at the end of the year, your voter, expert, your voter registration is, expires statewide. This would be for Florida. I mean, you could write this for Oklahoma, too. Uh, and the reason for that is that once people have to, their voter registration expires, all the, all the dead ones expire too. All the ones where people moved expired. All the extra ones, the ones when people have like three or four registrations and they're getting ballots from three or four different states, you know, usually the liberal ones. All that would be taken care of if the voter registrations expire, just like your, driver's, uh, your car registration expires every year. You have to pay every year to register your car. Well, why shouldn't you have to register your vote to register to vote for free every year, and it would automatically clean up the voter rolls? What do you think? I thought you already had to register every year. Nope. One and done. You register okay. once, you're done. So isn't that interesting that we register? You have to register your car every year and pay for it, but you register to vote one time, and long past your death, you can still be on voter rolls. What do you think? I think the point of like registering like one time compared to like um, using your car is kind of different because like your car is kind of property. Mm-hmm. Um, and but on the voting, one time doesn't seem as much of a problem until you add in the factor of the dead voter rolls and um, the people. Well, what what if people move? Different things like that. You know, what if they people move to a different yeah. state and the states don't exchange information, which most states don't, because they have privacy concerns. So you go to another state and you register. Uh, I mean, I told California to take me off the rolls in California, and I did not get you know, mail-in ballots, so they, they apparently did. But how many people actually do that? How many people tell their former state, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not registered here anymore. I've moved to Florida. I'm, now, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of, of the great state of Florida. You know, spare me the, uh, the mail-in ballots. I don't need them. But if they'd sent one and I'd filled it in, I could vote in a California election illegally. Now, of course, I wouldn't do that, but a lot of people do. 
So that's that's the reason that they should I think they should expire because you know the efforts to clean up the roles and all the computer programs that have to run and who's here and who isn't and no just cancel all of them everybody starts fresh the following year now is that burdensome or voter suppression I don't know you tell me do you think that would be burdensome or voter suppression to register every year um, I don't think it's voter suppression I think like. It's burdensome in the way of like you would have to have to do it in order to vote like each year, but mm-hmm. it seems like pretty simple things. Like I personally never gone through it of mm-hmm. registering to vote, so I wouldn't exactly know. Mm-hmm. But from what I've heard of, it seems like a really easy thing, and it, it doesn't seem like it will cause anybody trouble really to do it. It will just add one thing that they need to do. But so I I can see how it's like adding one thing, but I don't see it as an actual it actually being a problem of some sort. Um, but some states have different, like, requirements in voter registration. So I know there's, like, um, some are easier to register than others. Mm-hmm. I don't know really how, like, specific. But so I guess it will be different for each state on how they do it and what they require uh, in their registration and everything. But... That's what I think of it. Yeah. I think considering how important the vote is and how, the, how easily it's stolen these days. I mean, Action Radio becomes even more important because as my original theory years ago was that changing the politicians doesn't do anything. It doesn't make a change because they still have to serve their party and they have to serve their donors and, and they don't represent the people anymore. So I thought if we, can't, if we can't get changed by changing the people, we have to get changed by changing the laws. And so that's why I switched to, a, to an emphasis on the laws as opposed to an emphasis on, on, the, on the personalities involved. But elections still determine the personalities. And, so, and the personalities have to vote for the laws. So I can write all the great laws in the world, and so can you. But if we can't get the people in to actually pass them, we've got a problem. And the best way to do that is with you know, free-thinking, freedom-loving American citizens. Because we've got, what, 5 million illegal aliens that crossed – the, the border at the invitation of, of the insurrection that stole the government. So who's to say that 5 million stolen votes won't happen by a government that stole the White House and stole the administration? So this would be a protection for states and for all us freedom-loving people that want Americans to vote, American citizens only to vote. You know, that if the registrations expire and you have to go and actually go in. And, and uh, I mean, in some places you might want to go so far as to have proof of citizenship every year. Or maybe prove it once. I mean, I did that in Florida. I brought in my passport. Okay. So I still have my naturalization papers when I became an American citizen back in 1981. And I still, and of course I have a valid passport. And I always, always have a valid passport. You never know when, when you, you know, when you, when you turn 18 and you want to go places, have a passport. It's a great form of ID too. So you pre- I presented my passport to uh, the election officer in Florida when I moved here. And so I'm registered to vote. I'm an American citizen. You know, here's where I live. Here's this, here's that. I said, okay, great. No problem. <laughs> You know, so and that's and I had to do it for a driver's license too. I think I had to prove I was an American citizen. I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure we could check. But anyway, point being, I like the process because uh, to me, if if that's what they're doing for me, they're doing it for everybody, at least hopefully. You know, and in every county they're doing that. And I'm in Santa Rosa County, Florida, so they did a good check. They checked my citizenship, registered me for me to vote. Now, what we might want to do is once you register to vote, if you're still in the same place, same location, you know, you're still the same person. Maybe you don't have to physically go to the election office every year, but you have to at least call in or, or do something uh, or mail in or something that, uh, that says you are still you and this is where you live and here's a copy of your something bill or something like that. I don't know how we do it. That's, that's the, where the legislators come in. But 
do you think it would, you know, just do you think that some kind of a check every year of your voter registration would be a good idea to prove that you still live where you live and you haven't taken off and moved somewhere else? Yes, I definitely think that that's a good idea. Okay. Okay. So, so, yeah. so, but let's get back to the elections. What you want to talk about? So, tell me about uh, um, stolen elections. What were you thinking? Okay. Um, real quick, um, before I do, that, I just think I need to give credit to the name, um, the free. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, feel free to. Yeah, go ahead. What yeah. did you say? The free for, for the oh, ah, the free Floridian. Um, is it on Instagram? That was credit mm-hmm. to me. They post a lot of good information on there. Anybody okay. else to yeah, thanks for giving credit. But yeah, you, you've got Greg disease, which is talking too fast, and you, you get stuck on a word. <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. Listen, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I do it all the time. So the more you can tell, the more excited I get about a topic, the faster I talk, the faster I start screwing up. It's one day I'm going to really embarrass myself. Uh, so far, so good. You know, as they say, knock on fake wood or whatever this desk is. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's just it just happens. And because, see, and you, you think, well, gee, the professionals don't do that. Yeah, they do, but they edit that out. See, we don't edit. <laughs> so we're, we're, 100% nat- we're, we're 100% natural radio. So all the goofs, all the dogs that bark, you know, all the times, you know, you hear someone, uh, um, you know, another family member yelling, you know, thumbs um, to the door. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> you know, that all gets on the radio. Or the birds, like Alan Dawson is in Belize. He has tropical birds because he's in Belize, right? So we get these toucans squawking on the radio. <laughs> it's just normal. All right. Free Floridian. That's, uh, and w- what is that? I've never heard of this on Instagram. I, I need to get to know Instagram, so maybe you can teach me about it. What's, uh, well, what's that site? And, and tell me about Instagram for a bit. Should I be on there? Um, I mean, you, I don't know if you should. I mean, you can. I mean, some things you can find a lot of information easily. And if you're like, oh, that is interesting, then you can go and look it up easier. You know, mm-hmm. I do a bunch of news headlines. Um, but a lot of the accounts on there have been silent. Oh, really? So, Gee, what a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we're silenced big time. Uh, in fact, that's why I'm hoping to get our bill. Uh, oh, you want to have some fun? You're, are, you, are you on Instagram? Yes. Okay. Don't you don't have to give away you know your 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 handle or name or anything like that. But if you want to have some fun, take our yeah. bill on the section two thirty. You know the one that ends big tech censorship, <laughs> and post that on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you can post our vaccine product liability bill too. Well, we got some exciting news. That would be probably um, a good idea though to like yeah. um, uh-huh. the bill ideas that people publish, like to put them out, uh-huh. so other people can look at them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what we might do, it's, uh, think about this, too, and, and um, you don't have to tell me now, but if you wanted to do an Action Radio Instagram account, for example, uh, and just publish our, publish our bills and things like that, or you could be like a commentator of, of stuff that goes on. You know, so you could be like our, our social media person for Instagram, because I don't know anything about it. Might be interesting. Yeah. I can yeah. probably do it. I'm not sure how well it would be uh, kept up. I'm not very good at that, but I can always <laughs> You're try. Busy. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you don't have to, but it'd just be fun. Well, maybe well see, ultimately, I'd like to get a social media coordinator because I don't have time to do all that stuff, um, you know, just to kind of keep up with it. And we have podcasts. I, I, I tracked all our podcasts the other, like, last week sometime. There's, like, 15 different podcast sources, so I have no idea how many people are listening or where they are. 
you know, because this is worldwide. You know, it's not huge, but it's going to be. Um, our audience is growing in Australia, Canada, and England. So the English-speaking world is definitely picking up on the idea of citizen legislation. So that's really encouraging. So I had some good news for you, and actually for all of Action Radio. The good news is that there's a, there's a tour going around the country called the Reawaken America Tour. Have you heard about that? No. Okay, Clay Clark. But I'm interested. Okay, there you go. So you can look it up, Reawaken America. And they, um, they, they, spell, uh, re, they spell Awaken with a capital A which is kind of interesting. So one word, reawaken. So it's R-E, then capital A, you know, awaken. So one of the speakers, uh, well, it's uh, primarily General Michael Flynn, who was the one who uh, the, the deep state went after Trump's first national security advisor, uh, head of the national security. Uh, and so he's running this, and some other folks are there, Eric Trump and different people. One of the folks that is there presenting information is Dr. Judy Mikovits. Well, Judy Mikovits is a real friend of the show here and a friend of mine. And she is actually promoting our, our two big bills, vaccine product liability and um, big tech censorship at the Reawaken America Tour. So she's also giving it, our bills, to some pretty interesting people. Hopefully they'll find out more about it and get on the show. So it's already, we are, you know, people are lobbying already. I mean, some really big name public figure people like Judy um, are getting the word out there about this legislation. So citizen legislation is going to be a huge thing. So you came here at the right time. The other good news, and I haven't told anybody this, um, the Surgeon General of Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo, is going to be my guest tomorrow. So he's going to be on. And I'll be presenting the bills to him, too. I don't know if you've heard of him at all. What? But he's the one, Dr. Dr. Latipo is the one who, with Governor DeSantis, recommended that uh, men, especially under 40, not get the COVID. So that's what's going on here. You, is my voice oh, okay. is my voice breaking up at all, or or can you hear what I'm saying? Because we had a trouble no, with that the other day. No, it was like silent for two seconds, and I was oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering. Oh, what what did you miss? Where where, where did it where did the break occur? Oh, um, I don't know if you did. Did you stop talking for like a second or two? I don't think so. I I, I tend to be you know gaps to me. I just no. I just ramble incoherently as long as possible. Anyway, so the big news, uh, like I say, reawaken tour, and uh, Dr. Joseph Latipo is going to be with us tomorrow, Surgeon General of Florida. So I'll talk to him about our bills. That was basically it. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah. What's going on? Pretty with, cool. So you, you, it's going to be very cool. Yeah. So we got you. So in other words, the point being that um, you know Instagram and some of these other social media places, once they open up, well, we're going to break out big time, and this is going to be a huge show. And it's just a question of uh, how and when, how we get through the censors. But you're living through a time that most people used to just read about in history books. You know, you read about the oppression in different countries, the censorship of the press, the, uh, the control of media, the stealing of elections, you know, the manipulation of the economy, the restrictions of energy, you know, telling people where they could live, how they could live, rampant crime in the streets, disarming the people of guns. These are things that, uh, that, you know, we used to read about happening in other countries. And you're one of the first generations that's actually having it happen as you're growing up. So you're growing up under a situation that most other people have only read about. How's that strike you? Yeah. And on, um, you know, it, it's kind of sad, like, to think about living in a world like this. But it's, all, it's also not very surprising. Okay. Tell me why. Because... Well, I've been through the education system. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. That's a story in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, whenever you look at history, you see something bad has happened. Mm-hmm. And then you see the things that kind of thing happen again years later. Mm-hmm. And so you know there's going to be some stupid person out there that somehow it happens again, even though everybody knows how bad it is from history. And that's like why there's the big statement of, you know, uh, learn history so you don't repeat it. Yeah, that's um, Santayana from Spain who said that those that don't uh, study history are destined to repeat it. I think we're destined to repeat it anyway, even if we do study history, because not enough of us do. But, yeah, Uh, because history does tend to repeat itself. Yeah, and and you can learn something and learn the wrong idea from something. Uh And that can also contribute to redoing something in the past that was so horrible. Uh Well, let me ask you a question then. How can if if we, even if we do study history, even if we see how the Nazis took over Germany and uh, uh, Moderno took over Venezuela and Castro took over Cuba and Mao took over China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can go back and study the ancient dynasties of China and Japan going back seven thousand years, you know, and it's 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 the same result, but they do it in different ways. So the question becomes: if you want to fool the people, still have the same dictatorship. Uh, you know, how do you do it other than repackaging the dictatorship in ways that are that are palatable and enticing at the time? That seems to me the way it works. Does that make sense? What do you think? How, how would you convince yeah. people, especially if they study history, how do you convince the people that have studied history that know what a dictatorship looks like when it's coming to be able to impose one anyway? What do you think? I think that's like a really important thing, you know, because okay. like some of them – like there's like the force theory of people just taking over. And then there's those that are voted in by lies and enticements and different things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. What are the I lies? Think that's what, why what are the current lies? Of, oh, no. <laughs> okay. We'll keep going then with your saying. Um, You're on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, you asked that question and my brain started shifting again. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fault. I, I apologize. Yeah, because, well, this is, what, this is ADHD. So unless you're ADHD with me, then you can't jump 15 topics at once. It's just, you know, but that's the question. Well, let me ask, go back to the original question. How, how do you entice the people to, you know, get into a dictatorship? Because it's easier to have it voted in uh, than it is to have to, to take it by force. People know when force is coming. You know, when the army, the foreign armies are marching on your shores, you can see them. Okay, there's the enemy. So that doesn't work these days. So you've got to do it differently. Go ahead. One of the things, and I'll, I'll like give an example of this, is something mm-hmm. that sounds good at face value. Like mm-hmm. one of the really big things now is the student loan debt, you know, relieving all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, that sounds really great. It's like an at face value kind of thing. And okay. the problem is most people don't dig deeper than that. They're like, oh, yeah, that's basically free school, right? We want that. And so it sounds good at face value, but it's not really a good thing. And it's not really a possible thing because, you know, it's not really relieving it. It's just transferring it. So Mm -hmm. it's like also a play on words. Um, And so it's it's different things like that, especially with definitions now and the way you word things. They can Mm -hmm. sound like something completely different. Like um, one of the big things that a lot of people are talking about is like planned parenthood. The words sound like a good idea, like you want to plan to be a parent, but it's actually mm-hmm. doing the opposite. It's 
killing your child so you won't ever be a parent. It's like, so it's also like a play on words and what people think of things, you know, and it's the difference of what people want, what people hear, and what people actually know. And that all contributes to um, having something that entices them to want something. Yeah, you've and actually got really good. That's why there's also good. like a lot big yeah. push for critical thinking. Ah, what's critical thinking? Expand, please, because this is really important. So, critical thinking is if I can continue with the example of looking at things sure. on face value. It's like, okay, there's this. Okay, what happens? What uh-huh. will this do? Critical thinking is basically an understanding kind of thing. It's asking the questions of how something works and why. Um, and if it will work, basically. But is that critical thinking? And, and uh, the reason I wanted to sort of focus on this is because there's what you're told are critical thinking skills and what the agenda is behind it. So you want to talk about face value. This is the perfect example of something that people think at face value is a good thing, but it's actually a very dangerous thing. Do you know where I'm going with this? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. All right, good. This will be a good example. But you, you, first of all, you've got really good political instincts, and, and you're expressing this really well because you focused on, on things that you, I think you've done by accident. Um, you've answered my question, which is how do you entice people that already know history uh, to, to walk into a dictatorship? And the answer is you change the language. You, you take something that looks good at face value, but if you, uh, and then you don't look deeper. And we'll get to student loans and Planned Parenthood. I, I started calling them unplanned parenthood for a while for exactly the same reason as you said. You know, it, it's, not, it's got nothing to do with parenthood. If it were parenthood, you wouldn't be there. You'd be, you'd be at the obstetrician. You'd, you'd be at the nutrition store. You'd be, at, uh, you'd be anywhere else but Planned Parenthood if, that's, uh, you know, if you wanted to be a parent. I mean, because it is. It's unplanned or planned unparenthood. That's probably a better way to describe it. But that's how people go. You know, what if they called it um, the abortion clinic? <laughs> you know, I mean, I put a big sign out front. This is the abortion clinic. You know, that doesn't sound as politically compatible as Planned Parenthood because now we're now it's healthcare. Really, for who? <laughs> you know, so exactly as you're doing, you start asking these questions, and questions are critical, absolutely critical. Because once you start asking those questions, then people have to face the answers, and the answers may not be what they want. It's easier to think of the nice language, you know, and, and as a way to hide things. Gender-affirming health care. Is there anything more misnamed than gender-affirming health care? What do you think? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, affirming, I, isn't that mean, like, verifying? Yeah, it does. Is that a good thing? It's just, but it's not. It's not affirming at all. It's reversing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I, well, I started. Well, here's a name for you. Uh, tell me what you think. I started calling it Frankenstein medicine because you're creating monsters, and there are monsters doing it. You're creating people that are, are not their former selves, not as God made them. And so, if you call it Frankenstein medicine, well, that's a whole bit different than gender, right? Yet it's the same thing. Yeah. As, as I'm concerned. So now, so changing the language is absolutely critical. So Goebbels in Germany and, you know, the Democrats today don't let a crisis go to waste. They all use the same thing, manipulation. And it's part of what they call mass psychosis events. In other words, you take a population, you make them scared, you give them a continual reason to be afraid. You know, oh, COVID's going to kill everybody. No, government policy killed far more people than COVID ever did. Most people, unless you're over like 75, COVID's not really a big deal. 
Fortunately, I'm still young and sprightly and in my 60s. All right. Uh, critical thinking. Let me get back onto that. Critical. Did I ever send you the video on uh, these, these people made a, uh, a documentary on the origins of public education in the United States, talking about Horace Mann in New England and how it was basically based on the Prussian. Excuse me. <clears throat> that's P-R-U-S-S-I-N. Prussians. It was northern Germany, you know, back World War One. And the Prussian military model of education yeah. was, was based on, you know, duty and obedience and conformity. Did I send you that? I think I did. Do you remember it? Or do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember, okay. but you may have sent it somewhere. I can, I can somewhere lost in Brianna's emails way back it. when in, in, in the I don't want to touch the, the Greg email tonight folder. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> we, we do email between shows, folks. All right. So I'll send you that again because what it talked about was that our education system is, a, is based on a factory. That's why I have all those little rooms like assembly line rooms. And they have bells, you know, which is for conditioning. And it's based on obedience and conformity. You look at government education, it's, it's all centered around obedience and conformity. So one of the planks of education of the leftist, you know, military Marxist domineering model to create cogs in the wheel. See, education for, for us regular folks is different than education of the elite. The, the elite go to Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire, excuse me, New Hampshire, okay, and they, they go with the other elites. And all the elites go to school together. And then they go to Harvard and Yale. And they see their elite friends from Philip Exeter Academy. I actually went over the, uh, the educational program and the courses offered at Phillips Exeter Academy one day. It was hysterical. You, you take a look sometime. You want, to see what those, you want to see what the rich people get for school? Unbelievable. It's great. It's like a paradise. You know, it made learning fun, especially with all the field trips, you know, the international ones included. Anyway, summers abroad, you know, semesters abroad. This is high school. Oh, my God. Anyway. Point being that the rich have an education than everybody else. So the Prussian model of education is meant for the you know, people to fit into the system, to be cogs in the wheel, to be good, obedient servants of the state. That's what our education system is based so on here. Thing, based with, on the, with that kind of like mm-hmm. education, though, you say it was like for the rich and stuff, and they have so much a, a greater um, advantage in what they're learning and where they're going and everything. But mm-hmm. don't they also have to pay more in order to get that? And, yes, it, and I think that's sure. a really big thing with, like, the public schools is, mm-hmm. like, they get less money than some of the private schools because the private schools have something higher and better, but they need more funding in order to do that. And that's why mm-hmm. it costs more. And that's why um, you have to have, like, state taxes go into the public schools to help fund that. And it's a lot lower because you want those children to get an education, but you don't want to have to burden the people as much. Hmm. Interesting. It's almost like um, a balancing act in, of education. Yeah, well, here's one of the problems, though. But also, yeah. Go ahead. No, go you ahead. have to be wary about, because whenever you get the taxes, you're giving it to the government to decide how much the school is going to get. Mm-hmm. And you have to be wary because sometimes they might just go in and just pay the teachers, all of the teachers, a whole lot more money and not do anything for the actual education of it. You know, and that doesn't really do anybody good, yeah. especially now when you see, I mean, there's always really great teachers out there, but there's also some really bad teachers out there. And, and the teacher's a, union protects them. another form of balance yeah. act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? And also back to the thing that you were talking about earlier about the um, reawaken thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we went to Branson this weekend. It was just like a, a two-day weekend trip. And one of the things we saw was the Freedom Journey. And it's something that's, like, brand new to Branson. Have you heard of it hmm. before? 
I've heard of Branson. Um, in fact, the company I used to work for in San Francisco, Ride the Ducks, when I was a duck driver <laughs> as a tour guide, uh, they're based in Branson. Um, so I haven't heard of this, this tour, though, but it's probably similar to the Reawaken America tour. But tell me about this one. I'm curious now. So it talks a lot about, um, like, tyranny and faith and freedom and a lot of, like, um, how God played a part in the founding fathers and the creating of the Constitution and different things like that. And there's a lot of the things that I learned at um, Patriot Academy and through um, mm-hmm. the, David Barton, um, who's like lessons of the wall builders and different things like that. And whenever mm-hmm. they have this little kind of a, a gift shop kind of thing where they mm-hmm. have a bunch of like reading materials and T-shirts and things like that, and they had books by by David Barton, and they had um, Rick Green, like Constitutional Life, and they had a book for Chris Bowers, who's a, uh, another podcaster. He mm-hmm. did a really good one of Faith, Family, and Freedom. And it, it's kind of it was interesting to see how all of these different things that you hear about are all connected, and then how like you said that uh, you knew the person in the reawaken. And it's kind of funny how all of these things can find each other. Yeah, we're one big happy family. Now, so how do we how do we find each other now? Yeah. See, this is this is what the revolution is is uh, of today. What how can we all find each other? What's what do you think's going on? Because you're you're onto something here. I think it's content and publicity. You uh-huh. know, first you have to have something that other people want and and love and are passionate about such as, you know, faith and freedom, and then you publicize mm-hmm. that so that they can see that you do have it. So like if you think the back... the Freedom uh, Journey show, it's a... Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. No, no, keep going. I talk and, enough on the show. Um, like, you have this big educational thing of Patriot Academy and the Wall Builders where they have, like, a an online library, and they go in and they teach you all of this different things, and they give you resources to go and learn all this stuff. And then you have different things like the uh, podcast and, like, your radio show, and there's different things like that where people can, you know, listen to these things. And then there's something like the Freedom Journey show where you can go and you can watch them perform the show with, like, reenactors and videos and things like oh. that. What are they so reenacting? Oh, like our founding or the constitutional debate, or what are they reenacting? They reenacted like um, George Washington's inaugurational address and Benjamin Franklin's um, speech of the Constitutional Convention and Thomas Paine's "Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death" speech. I think that was Nathan Hale, but I could be wrong. Thomas Paine wrote oh, uh, the Crisis Paper. Patrick Henry, sorry. Patrick, Patrick Henry, there we go. Okay, so we're both wrong. Patrick <laughs> <Thank> Henry. <you. laughs> sorry, Patrick. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. We'll get it straight. But uh, this is really important. Now, we do a reading. In fact, you might want to join us on July 4th. We do a reading every year of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. And so even though it's a Saturday, I'll still, you know, I'll see if I can drag everybody in. It hasn't been for a while. Um, but everybody, depending on how many people want to read, everybody gets a piece of the Declaration. And we all call in and all the reporters get to meet each other on the air. It's really kind of fun. Uh, and so if you want to do that, you know, I'll, I'll put the word out um, to everybody. Um, like a couple of weeks ago, you know, or man like a month ahead than a couple of weeks ahead. And we can, uh, we can do that. Uh, we might hear a big garbage truck outside. Actually, I'm, I'm leaving the windows open and trying to, but we'll see if this picks it up, all the noise there. Uh, I want to get back to something you said. Uh, you said a lot of, you're really, you're getting better at this. And, and uh, so the more you do this, 
I think the better you're going to get. Your your thoughts are, are more expanded, more organized, more, uh, you know, it's really, you're, you're improving a lot. And so I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and I think the longer you stick around, um, the better you're going to get at this presenting, which may stand you in very good stead for any career um, that you want to try later on. So, the, so there's your compliment for today. Um, critical thinking. I want to make this point because I think it's kind of critical to, to make my critical thinking point. And that is that critical thinking serves a purpose for the left. And most people don't know this. I didn't know this either until I read it. So what you think it is, you think are the skills that you need in order to be able to, that are critical for thinking, right? So the skills that you need that are critical for you to be able to think, people think of as critical thinking skills, correct? Make sense? Um, are you saying that that's what like the left is trying to make it? No, into? no, this is, this is what people, this is the perception. So, so, so this is the face value one. So if you, if you saw the term critical thinking skills, the, the way they word that and the way they do that, it's supposed to be so that you, you're supposed to think that those are the skills that you need that are critical. These are the critical skills that you need in order to be able to think. And those are the ones you learn in school. Make sense? Um, Should I do it okay, again? Okay, Crit- I guess. I, I, could, I can try and follow this, I guess. Okay, let me try one more time. This is Because this is, this is important, but it's also complex. So skills that are critical for you. In other words, critical means, you know, absolutely essential. You must have if it's critical. It's, it's, this is an emergency. You know, it is, it is, it is so important, you know, critical oh, yeah, is important yeah. and important. I understand okay, so like these, that part. Yeah. Okay. So something's critical. You have to have it. Right. So in order to think you need these critical skills, right? The skills that are critical for you to be able to think, right? With me so far. But when you think about it, yeah. wait a minute, what, what, thinking is not a, uh, thinking is like an art form. Thinking is imagination. Thinking's conception. Thinking is, is, it's hard to define thinking. So is it a skill or is it an art or is it a bunch of things? But we don't think about that. We just hear, well, critical thinking skills are learned in school. So in school, you will learn the things that are critical for you to be able to think. You're with me now? Yes, I'm with you now. Okay, good. Here's the turnaround. That's not what it's about at all. (laughs) What critical thinking skills are to the left are to teach students how to be critical of everything. So this is code word. This is buzzword. This is like, you know, story time when you have drag queens in front of little children. And they call it story time or whatever they call it. It's not story time at all. It's, it's sexualizing young kids, you know, but they call it story time or whatever they call it. Critical thinking skills the, the educators, the leftists, they know this. They all know this stuff, okay? So the leftists know that when, they, that when they say critical thinking skills, they're teaching you how to be, not think critically, but be critical. So in other words, critical in the sense, there's two, there's two, there's two ways to use it, okay? There's critical in the sense of it's urgent, it's important. You have to have this. That's a critical skill or a critical thing. In this way, they're talking about a critic, like a movie critic, uh, a, uh, a theater critic, you know, an arts critic, a book critic. So in, this, in other words, they're using the word – because critical has two different meanings, right? Critical is an essential or critical as in you suck. <laughs> okay? See the difference? Yeah. So they use this word with two different meanings. You're supposed to get the meaning that these skills are critical so that you can think. The left says no. The left says these are the skills so you can be critical of, guess what, God, family, country, 
uh, anybody that thinks differently than you, uh, that there's only two genders or sexes, which is what the real, real world is, that uh, there are no absolutes, that there are no truths, that the Constitution's able to be flipped around like crazy. So in other words, they teach people how to be leftists. That's what's critical to them. So when a leftist says, well, we've got to have critical thinking skills in schools, what they mean is we need to teach the kids how to be critical of literally everything so they can bring down the society and rebuild it in leftism. Now does it make sense? Yes. Because you look at the government schools. What do they do? They teach the kids how to be critical of everything, of free speech. Look at the colleges. Mm-hmm. How, many, how, many, how many people in colleges, how many conservative speakers go to college? The first thing that happens is leftists scream, yell, throw things because, they're being, because they've been taught critical, not thinking skills, but critical you know, rebellion skills, critical destruction skills. You want to talk about taking something at face value I and not looking it. into it? Yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest examples. Go ahead. And something that's very prominent in what you're talking about in the freedom of speech is actually seen in, in one of these discussions. Mm-hmm. And it was Jordan Peterson and some lady on a news thing. And they were having this big discussion about, like, I think it was the gender pay gap. The which one? And one, more time? one of the things that the lady said. No, which, which, what were they talking um, about? I, just I, think, it. I think it was the gender pay gap. Gender pay gap. Okay. I right. think, now I got you. Yeah, I think the lady was trying to argue that it's such a big thing, and then uh, I think Jordan Peterson was saying, well, actually, here's the facts, and you know how it goes. Uh-huh. And um, one of the things that the lady said, which I think really sums up what a lot of colleges and stuff are, are teaching, or a lot, I think it's something that's really prominent in the leftist ideals, like this is how I, how I could portray what this is. Uh-huh. And it was as she said, how does your freedom of speech Trump somebody's feelings. <laughs> and, Easily. And, and, <laughs> what do you say? Like, um, I think he, he said something along the lines of, um, I think he was trying to play off of her mindset, saying, like, um, well, you're using your freedom of speech right now, making mm-hmm. me uncomfortable, but, you know, you should because that's what you're supposed to do. And I think he went along the lines of that. Um to like have a more explanatory thing towards her. But I was just kind of like appalled at, at the question because it's like, how could someone even think that? But it is a very prominent thing that a lot of people are thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's feelings are more important than the First Amendment or the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And why is and it that? was just crazy. No, it's very calculated. Um, make, no, this is, this is, you're on, you're, you've, you've hit a hot button. I want to know what you think of it, though. How could it happen? Um, I think it's because they have one agenda that they want, and the freedom of speech doesn't allow that. And I actually read something somewhere. I don't know where I read it, but it was uh, something that somebody posted about it. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that um, the left knows that they're not going to be silenced on social media. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't worry about any of that. They're worried about um, the truth and uh, the freedom of speech. The left is worried about the that truth? Will give somebody... <laughs> the left is no, no, the left and the truth have a very distant yeah. relationship at best. Well, let's talk about and that. The people would argue it using that against what they want, and so they want to censor that. 
Well, let's, let's that goes into disinformation too. Yeah, so disinformation. In other words, we have to be protected from disinformation and hate speech. That's another, that's another misnomer, right? You've heard that? And the, the Facebook, uh, I mean, the Twitter execs were fired by Elon Musk. And what they said, well, we're just, we're just, uh, we're just uh, you know, regulating speech so that it's, it's fair, so that, uh, you know, we're getting rid of hate speech. We're getting, we have to, you know, save people from disinformation. You know, in other words, <laughs> tyranny. <laughs> okay. So let me, let's, let's, let's get the big question because re- you are just firing on all cylinders today, as they say, which for people with electric cars, you have no idea what I just said. Um, the idea of feelings versus rights. The idea that feelings, you know, uh, this, where this comes from is the UN Declaration of Human Rights. If you want to read something that is a, this entire misnomer the entire way through it, that is completely misleading, that is an absolute road to tyranny, read the UN Declaration of Human Rights. Because they talk about the fact that all wasn't rights... That, Go ahead. Wasn't that written by one of our first ladies? Um, no. I don't... Uh, 1948. I think it was 1948. See, most of the most of the bad things in the world came out after uh, the end of World War II. The United Nations. Um, it's in, I'll give you a little, here's a quick timeline. Uh, the the globalists really took over after World War II. So we won World War II and then promptly, you know, lost our way and lost our freedom and became a military industrial complex state. Uh, and we, we moved to an economic model rather than a, a political, a freedom model. So you look. Well, the first thing that happened after uh, World War II, 1945, two things happened. One, the United Nations was formed. Uh, I think the Bretton Woods Conference, San Francisco. I used to be a tour guide. You know, I, we used to go by the Fairmont Hotel where uh, uh, a lot of the diplomats were staying. Where they and then they go up to the Muir Woods and you know hang out in the woods and you know talk in nature. And they they came up with the, their plan for the world. It's the globalists, right? So the globalists tried after World War One under Woodrow Wilson with the League of Nations, and that failed. Fortunately, didn't get ratified by the Senate. And then it came, I don't know if the UN ever was ratified by the Senate. I'm not sure because I don't think we have a treaty with them. But that would be something interesting to talk about. Anyway, so the United Nations is created and all the other obnoxious organizations under them. The WHO, the World Health Organization, and a bunch of other things. So the UN was 1945. Also 1945, Korea was split into North and South. Well, isn't that interesting? So what happened five years later? The Korean War, 1950 to 1953. So the globalists always wanted us at war. That's one of the requirements. That's how you can tell that your government's been stolen. You have a war somewhere for no reason, and it goes on forever. So that went down for 1950 to 1953, and there's never been an official peace treaty. There's never been officially, you know, they have a stalemate, but they haven't actually stopped the war. So technically, North and South Korea are still at war, which is kind of unusual because they're the same people. It was just this arbitrary split. Right? Look at the history of that. 1954, guess which country was split in, in North and South? So the Korean War ends. So the globalists need another war. So where do they go? Do you know what country was split in 1954 into North and South, right after the Korean War? No. Would you be surprised if I said Vietnam? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. And what happened? Well, we get involved in a war once again. Okay. And then a series of wars. Iraq, a couple of wars in Iraq, a war in Afghanistan that went on for 20 years, ended when uh, Brandon surrendered. And guess, where, guess what we're doing now? We're funding a war in Ukraine. We don't have soldiers there, but we're donating. Well, I think they did, actually. I think okay, they, somewhere me. I did read that they were going to start sending um, soldiers. Hold on. I've got to look this up. I don't yeah, even okay. know if it's true or not. Okay. I'll wait. It's live radio. Um, yeah. Yeah. We might we save that for folks. a different day. 
Okay, that's fine. Yeah. No, you can look stuff up. I, see, this is why I'm, I'm going to get a, a producer call screener, you know, you know, uh, call. <laughs> I'm going to get somebody else to help out here. Uh, and so, and that, in fact, uh, Jean used to do it for a long time, for months and months. We had Jean, who was fabulous. Uh, and she would look stuff up as we're talking about it. And she'd come back, well, here's the answer, guys. I'm like, oh, thank you. So uh, we'll get there. But uh, I, I look up stuff on the show, and I'm the host. And I just, it's a way. Sometimes they'll play something. We'll come back and do it. But check out that timeline. So, so Vietnam, you know, from Vietnam to the Cuban Missile Crisis to um, – and it was kind of peaceful for a while. Re- the Reagan years were pretty good. We didn't – the globalists didn't, you know, have us involved in a big war during that time. It's interesting that Reagan and Trump, you know, probably our two greatest presidents in the last 50 years, uh, did not have us involved in a war somewhere, which is kind of interesting. I wonder why. Well, because they believe in America first. <laughs> they don't believe in, they're not globalists. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, exactly. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah, big deal. So, I mean, it is a big deal. But, uh, yeah, that you're was exactly like a, right. a rhetorical kind of joke. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, no, you're good. Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. Oh, God. My yeah. guess is doing better than me. <laughs> no, seriously, that, that's uh, that really important. Um, I got too many things in my head right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's true. Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, so Reagan and Trump kept us out of wars. Now, Reagan still had a few attacks here and there, and, and Trump did too. Very minor, but so nothing compared to the, you know, he would have had us out of Afghanistan. He should have had us out immediately, uh, but that's another story too. But the globalists want us at war somewhere. So what happened as soon as Trump leaves? Well, Brandon and, and the globalists, you know, get us involved in in, in uh, Ukraine. So instead of a diplomatic solution, and I explained this on the show before, if you have Russia, which is amazingly powerful militarily, and Ukraine, which is not, there's no reason to go to war because the Russians are going to kill them. So you negotiate a peace settlement. What we're doing now is, is Ukraine has enough arms to carry on a war, but it's still going to end up in a peace settlement. They're still going to end up in negotiations. So you can either go to negotiations immediately, which would have been the smarter course, because you would have saved thousands upon thousands of lives, or you go to war that can't be won, because Russia's not going to let Ukraine beat them. I mean, give me a break. And you're still going to get to a, eventually to a negotiated settlement. So why didn't you just start there and save the whole process? But that wasn't what the globalists wanted, because they want us in a war. What do you think? And then we'll get to gender pay gaps. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to like switch back because um, we're kind of slowly running out of time, but I'm going to go back to like um, okay. the elections, the general elections yes. coming up for November. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I had like two or three different points. Um, oh, let's make them now. <laughs> we can run a couple of minutes into Josie's report, so go ahead and just I'll, – I'll just keep quiet here, and I won't bring up so, any new topics. <laughs> go ahead. The I'm going to skip this one, but the idea is, like, the importance of voting in the state elections because mm-hmm. – and really the um, different duties of each office. And okay. the thing is it's really been prominent in the recent years of – how important it is beforehand. A lot of people didn't think it held much power, and then I think it hit, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, yeah, we, we need to vote in these now." I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's becoming more prominent the importance of it. Okay. And I so agree. I was thinking that you could go over the duties of each office. Mm-hmm. You know, like the right now. district attorney and senate and governor, and more. Since we're like short on time, it might be like short overviews. But if people would. Um, understand the duties of each office, and then they mm-hmm. would look at the candidates that are going to be running for those office offices. Well, we can do it better. Understand. Yeah, we can do it pretty quickly, actually, and it'll be a brief, brief government uh, scenario. Uh, and of course, next Tuesday's election day, so that'd be a great day to chat. <laughs> it's going to be lots of fun. So we, we can give our predictions and, and guesses and, and you know whatever, whatever else. So here's here's a quick definition of we have what we call federalism. 
Federalism is a system where we have a separation of powers, allegedly, although not in practice, co-equal branches of government. So the three branches, the executive, the judicial, and the, uh, the legislative. The one that's supposed to be the most powerful is the legislative. So the federal government is basically Congress, then the, the executive, which is the president, and then the judicial, which is the Supreme Court and the inferior courts. So that's the basic setup of government, right? Agreed so far? Yes. Okay. So let me give you the correct definitions. The Congress does make the laws, and they provide oversight to government. The executive, the president, carries out the laws made by Congress and can write executive orders to facilitate those laws, but they can't write executive orders that are not based in a law. Okay? The Congress can declare the war, can declare a war, and the president can then wage the war. Now, here's something we need to talk about. The president isn't commander-in-chief until there's a declaration of war. I'll explain that one to you sometime, too. So, so, but those are the dudes. The presidency is like the CEO. President's the, the, you know, the person that carries out, makes things happen. So the Congress makes the laws. Congress is like the, the board of directors. Okay? And then the, the president's the, the CEO, you know, kind of makes stuff happen. The court, well, they're like the auditing committee. <laughs> you know, they're the ones that, uh, you know, when one of those two branches screws up, the courts come in and say, okay, you're wrong or you're wrong. Or when the two branches are fighting each other, courts will step in and say, you're wrong. So the courts handle cases. Okay? They do not make law. They do not make policy. They do not make, make regulation. They have been, and that's the problem. So Congress makes the laws. The president uh, you know, um, enforces the laws, and the judiciary settles cases around the laws. <laughs> okay? So that's basically how it works. Now, that's exactly the same model for the states. Right? The state legislatures make the laws. The governor is like the president and acts the laws based on, you know, based on the workings of the state and, and works with the regulatory agencies. And the courts, the state courts, up to the state Supreme Court, handle the cases. Sound good? Yes. Okay. So let's get to local government, which is the third branch. Local government, you have a city council. You have a county commission. Uh, you have a school board. So those are basically the three branches of local government. So we know what the county commissions do. They're like the, uh, uh, they're like the Congress. <laughs> you know, the county commissioners you know, make the policies for the county. The city council makes policies for the city. The local courts, small claims court, local courts, family court, oh, God, I hate those places, um, things like that, criminal court, all the way up to the state Supreme Court, handle the cases. So now you mentioned district attorney. District attorney is the prosecutor of the courts within their district, which is usually a city, right? So that's what the district attorney does. They have United States attorneys that enforce federal laws at, from the federal level. So you've got, those are, the, those are the prosecutors. So the, then you have the defense attorneys, which are usually private. You can have public defenders. You can have, uh, um, you know, high-priced lawyer defenders. But uh, the, the, uh, the district attorneys are elected. The judges, in many cases, are elected. So it's the same process all the way through. The school boards are elected to handle school policy. Now, before they were staffed by a bunch of Marxists, the leftists basically worked their way into the school boards so they could bring in critical race theory, you know, gender norming, affirming healthcare, weird wacko stuff. You know, America's a racist country based on slavery, yada, yada, yada. But now the parents are, are tossing those people out and they're replacing school boards with parents. So once you know what the school boards do, you can replace them. That's a good thing. If you don't like what your city's doing, you, you run for city council. If you don't like how the laws are being prosecuted because you've got a George Soros DA or district attorney, you know, people run for district attorney to actually prosecute the criminals. Have I missed any opposite? Mayor. Mayor would be at the city level the same as the governor, same as the president. They're the executive. They're the ones that enforce the laws and make sure things you know, work the way they're supposed to. They're administrators. I think I've covered most of the offices. Did I forget anybody? 
I don't know. What do you think? Um, I did it in four minutes. I did it in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that um, it's built bottom up, so everything starts locally and is, well, it's supposed to be built bottom up. Are you, um, yeah, I was going to say, are you sure about like that? Because like in the public policy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Supposed to be. Okay. Right, and I know like the public policies, the public policy cycle kind of uh, follows that along with, you know, um, beginning with the people and ending with the people. And um, on this, I know there are different like um, referendums and initiatives and stuff and where mm-hmm. initiatives are where the people actually bring up the issue and get the signatures and it bypasses to where um, it will get signed in with whatever the requirements are for it. Mm-hmm. I really don't know all that? the requirements, but I know okay, that you have that in Oklahoma. Do you, do you have uh, do you have ballot initiatives in Oklahoma? Yes, no? I don't know if any are on. What? No, I was going to say because yeah, we do have they don't, they don't it. Have so people can do it. Yeah, we did have them in, in California, which yeah. were which were really good and really bad. And I'll tell you the you know until Josie calls it, I'll give you the the whys and the wherefores as to which ones are good and which one why they're good and why they're bad. But there are reasons for it. So if you have an initiative petition, um, the way that works is the, the, the biggest reason is because the legislature is not doing their job. That's why I created Action Radio, so that we can write the laws that benefit we the people as opposed to the special interests. So the way, slow, the way, slow down, Craig, the way laws work now, the special interests, the big corporations, the wacko interest groups and things like that, um, they pay you know, lobbyists to put bills into Congress and the donors, you know, pay money to have those, those laws put into place for the special interests. Those laws go to Congress, then to the president, then to the regulatory agencies, and then they control us. My idea is to reverse that. So we write the bills. We, the people, write the bills. Get them into the media, get them into the public, send them to the Congress. Hopefully they'll pass them to the president, to the regulatory agencies to regulate the special interests. So it's a reversal of power. That's what, that's what I'm going for here. Yeah. One of the biggest important things that is that it, it has to be done like properly, though, you know, mm-hmm. um, like are. with the citizen legislature, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was like having, like, um, not just people in general, but like going through an actual process like citizen mm-hmm. legislature to make sure that they format it and make sure they have the constitutional constitutional principles in it and mm-hmm. um, different things like that. Because, um, it can get this a is a really important point. If you have a bunch yeah, no. of random things. Well, and see, that's the thing too. See, this is a really important point. See, the reason, part of the reason is, is, and I say this all the time, we go through the constitutional process. We are submitting bills to the various legislatures from school board up through Congress so that the, the legislative process, the constitutional process goes on. We're just supplying different bills that are going to come from big pharma or big tech because they're going to put bills in that benefit them. You know, I don't let a bill come out of action radio unless it benefits everybody, which is what the 14th Amendment said, the equal protection of the laws. So this also serves a check on a bunch of wackos trying to form their own citizen legislature or calling something. Say George Soros funded a citizen legislature. We're going to write bills for we the people, just like, you know, Pengos over there at action radio. And then nothing but uh, leftist wacko bills to give him more, and the leftist more power. Well, they do that anyway. <laughs> you know, but just say, say they funded a fake citizen legislature. The reason these bills have to go through the regular legislature is for the same reason that our bills have to go through, because that's the Constitution. That's part of the process. See, they want to have, just a, see, they want to have a dictatorship where they buy their legislation. They buy their laws. And we can't, we can't buy our laws. Yeah. I wouldn't even if I could. 
I mean, I mean, the whole point of this is to go through the constitutional process. That's what makes us the good guys. Right? If you want to put it yeah. you know, bluntly, we're the good guys. We're the ones going through the Constitution. We write bills for we the people. We write bills that people can understand. You know, it's plain language. You don't have to be a lawyer. And people can say, that's a great idea, or that totally sucks. And the ones they say, that's a great idea, those are the ones that are going to get in media and get into Congress and get into the school boards and get into the city councils and county commissions and the state legislatures, and those are the ones that are going to succeed. But it's all constitutional. It's all part of the republic. We're supporting the republic. All right. I know you have one more point. Uh, Josie's on the line, too. Um, but... Um, you talk about, but the ballot initiatives, just to make, I'm going to make Josie's line live. She can join in a second. Um, but the ballot initiative, I think, is, is really important. But here's the good part of the ballot initiative. That allows we, the people, to get a bill, to get uh, uh, an issue directly onto the ballot for a vote. Okay, but sometimes it's a constitutional, you know, change and things like that. The bad part about the ballot initiative is the same reason as, as the elections. They can be bought, they can be, well, not stolen, but they can be bought. So in other words, if you have a good yeah. bill, we had a, food, we had a food labeling bill in California that said that you had, you know, the labels had to be required to put all the ingredients of their products. And, uh, and the food labelers, of course, said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to redefine natural or organic to really mean artificial and still call it natural. So they, they spent billions and billions of dollars to defeat this initiative, which is a really good initiative. But people voted against it because they believe the propaganda. So the problem with ballot initiatives is the same problem that we have with elections. They're bought. And that's why we need something else other than elections, which can be stolen. And Joseph's going to talk a lot about that. And ballot initiatives, which can be propagandized. And it's all by money. So we need to tra- take the money out. I know there um, are ref- I know ahead. there are referendums. Mm-hmm. And um, I know a lot of referendums may come from the public policy cycle where, like, you know, people bring up an issue and it, it um, gets into the public policy and um, – candidates take it and implement it and the whole process like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of the ideas of referendum may come from. And, of course, just the legislators themselves. Um, well, sometimes they're lazy. From they don't that. want to deal with a controversial issue. That's another part of it, too. I think we yeah. have one because I think our, our $15 an hour minimum wage, I think that was an initiative. So Florida has some process, but I'm not exactly familiar. Let's, let's talk to Josie. So, Josie. Uh, you're on with Brianna and me. We're still a little bit of government inquiry, and then we'll get into the Latino report. What do you know about ballot initiatives in Florida? Good morning. Do we have those? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, what do I know about what you said? Ballot? Do we have ballot initiatives? In other words, how did that, that $15 an hour minimum wage that Morgan & Morgan sponsored? You know, did they did they just get it through the legislature and put it on the ballot, or because I don't think I don't remember if we have petition signatures. I don't think we have an initiative uh, in Florida to do that, but I could be wrong. I, mean, I, I don't remember, but I know that I'm paying fifteen dollars an hour for this young girl to be with her phone all day long on her pocket, and she refuses <laughs> to put it in her purse. Well, it's actually it's eleven dollars still. IPhone, it's not fifteen yet. I'm, I'm it's, it's only eleven. Josie, it's only eleven. It'll be it'll be twelve next year, and then thirteen the year after, and then it goes up to fifteen. I know, but oh. uh, it, I I I spent about a year without help, and I was exhausted. Just me and my husband, and, and business has been very good. And uh, so I'm paying fifteen dollars an hour uh, to sell uniforms, which is it's a very light work. Uh, and uh, she has her iPhone in her phone, and she's handing. She's reaching, giving close to the customer, and I can see her. I can stick my head over there and see where she's at because she's tiny and she kind of hides. And she's texting while she's giving the stuff to the customer, and I'm like, I just don't believe this. And I just repeatedly asked her, 
you need to put the phone in your purse. I'm paying you $15 an hour, and she will not put the phone down. It's an addiction, yeah. really an me, addiction. It is very sad. Yeah, let me, because um, Brianna probably has to go here in a minute. Um, but, uh, Brianna, that's a topic for us, too, is, is, the, is the, you know, the, the benefits of growing up with electronics is you know how to use it. And all us older folks had to learn. But the, the disadvantage is you guys are addicted to them. <laughs> Do you have a comment on that? And then we'll let you yeah, go. they are. Yeah. Brianna? And then if you want to take off, feel free. Uh, and then I'll get to Josie. But uh, you can say if you want. You know, it's, it's up to you. What do you think about the technology addiction? Let's get your comment on that. And then uh, great report today. Thank you very much. You raised a lot of really, really important, really amazing issues. So uh, glad to have you on the crew here. I can tell you, I can tell you it's very upsetting. (laughs) I mean, like um, a lot of people that are my age and my friends and stuff, Mm -hmm. they don't really like to go out and have fun outside or, or play board games or do different kinds of fun things. A lot of them just like to be on their phones and watch um, uh, what's the, uh, TikTok. And they just really don't like to have a lot of the fun anymore. And nobody really likes to ride rides or go anywhere. Or, and it's, it's, you know, it gets boring when nobody wants to do anything. <laughs> That's the saddest thing yeah. I've heard all day. Horrible. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, no, I, listen, believe me, I, I, I sympathize with you. you got to find, uh, the, you know, like grownups have, you know, meet, or, I mean, folks have like meetup groups. There's got to be a kid. Well, you're not a kid. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally misspeaking here. But there should be something for, for young adults to be able to get together and do something, you know, you know, before you can drive or some kind of organized things that you guys can, can do that's fun. Or just get a bunch of friends and, you know, have like, a, club, have like a school club, you know, the, the activities club. We used to have that in school. We had activities clubs. There's for, like an yeah. okay, yeah. there's like an OKC community kind of thing with a one of my friends from Patriot Academy. She's with, and she actually invited me to this. And I've gone well, a go. few times where they went and played volleyball. And I know they do other things like um, frisbee mm-hmm. and stuff where they go mm-hmm. and just do fun things as a group together. It's a really good. I would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Well, you know, yeah, Brianna, yeah. the agenda is this is all well organized and I know the children including the grown-ups uh, this is well organized by the criminal left that they want all the kids to be just looking down on their phone playing having a good time and eating and eating and eating no exercise no activities outside like you just said and and kids don't know anything about anything and if they want to know something they look it up they don't want for you to think. They want it. The phone have to think for you, and it's been well organized years ago. And uh, and even the grown ups, like I just said, I, I see people. They come to my store. They are on the phone, and they don't even acknowledge that I exist. And that really bothers me as an adult because they walk in, they don't say hello. They're on the phone the whole time, destroying my store. They're not thinking what they're doing, and a lot of times. I approach them two or three different times, and they kind of get upset, but I want to call their attention, like, any special color you're looking for or any any sizes I can help you with, and they don't even acknowledge me, and I want them to leave because all they're causing me, it's so much work in my store because they're destroying everything. Like, when you're driving and you're on the phone, you pass the street, and you don't even know you pass the street, and then you're loud. It's the same thing when they come shopping, and I do not like that at all. If you're going to be on your phone, stay in the car and don't come in. I don't want you on the phone when you're in my store. And then I had another lady cussing and cursing in front of her little kids. 
she's fighting with her boyfriend or whoever she was fighting. And and I'm on the phone with customers. I don't need that. So it's rude what they're doing, and they're not even thinking about it. And this is all well organized for people to become bigger and bigger and bigger because they're eating their life away. Uh, they don't even know what they're doing. And it is sad, sad, you know, sad, it, sad what's happening I'd, to our I'd be curious, world. Brianna's coming on that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it, we're, we're looking at this, Brianna, and we're saying, you know, how? Because we were all, I grew up, you know, riding a bike, playing sports, doing things. I was terrible at sports. Yeah. It didn't matter. I played them anyway, you know. And then I went to music and marching band and played tuba and all that kind of stuff. But we were always physical. We were always outside. We always socialized. You know, yeah. the, the, the bigger high school kids took us younger high school kids out. We had, like, band groups. You know, we go bowling, we do fun stuff. And I had a barbershop quartet in, in, uh, in, in high school. We'd go to the ice cream parlors and get free ice cream. We'd sing a song and get free ice cream. You know, we got creative. So, Brianna, what's going on? How, how can we help you guys? What, uh, how can we how inspire? How can we help? Yeah, what can we, you know, how, what do you see this doing to, to your friends when they live on their phone and they're not connecting with real people? It's like the Matrix. Did you ever see the Matrix? Yeah. Your batteries in the, in the cog, you know, the machine. Brianna? Um, you know, I, I really don't know. I think it's more of like a parental thing of uh, parentals dictating their phones and everything like that and what they can do, what time they have. Um, and the parents to be able to keep them busy because now, I mean, you can't entice the children to want to do something because mm-hmm. they don't want to do anything else. So nothing that you, no kind of flashy, fun thing that you want them to do, they're going to do. And so now it's more of a, a force thing. You know, parents have to start taking control of their actions. And, and one of the big problems that uh, Josie is saying is now a lot of parents have the same problem. Like um, where I work at the library, um, the security guard like has to watch like, these these two little boys. There's one. I think he's like maybe three years old. And I think the other one might be four. And the mom the other day, um, the security guard was telling me how the mom was on the phone and just just laughing on her phone forever for hours, and just letting her kids do whatever, not even watching them. And the little like three year old, I think it was three. I'm really bad at guessing ages. But was like waddling out. And we have two sets of, like, doors that are, like, automated. You walk up and they, like, open. And he went out the first one. He was in between the two. And the security guard, she had to go and and go get the little boy and and bring him back inside and go back into the children's room. Because if that little boy would have kept walking, it it would have been very dangerous. Because it's when you walk out, we have this road before you get to the parking lot, like a small little strip of road. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we have the book drop and then the cars can drive through. And if there had been a car there, that little kid could have gotten run over, like, so quickly and easily because he's so small. And it's just extremely dangerous. And the mom had no idea any of this happened. And she said whenever she brought the child back, mom was still on the phone laughing. And it's like, like, your child could have just died, and you just never would have known. And it's, it's horrible. And, and, and so it's like, how do you fix it when you have both parents and children with this problem? I don't know. You're absolutely correct. The parents are the ones that have to help their kids, but they're not being an example either. And, you know, uh, last uh, few days ago, I went to Golden Corral with my husband. I said, let's go try it there. You know, I haven't been there in a long time, a couple of years. And it, that place is very busy. And there was a must have been like 80-year-old or 70-something-year-old older man eating. And there's a young girl, like, maybe 13 or 14 with her leg up in the chair with her phone and her grandfather's eating. And it just broke my heart because 
to me, it looked like he wasn't even with his granddaughter there. She didn't exist. She was somewhere else with her phone. So I was getting some uh, vegetables, and she she came to, to get a piece of dessert or something for her grandfather. And I approached her. I said, young lady. I said, I was watching you. And she goes, what? I said, you know what? It's sad that you're glue on the phone and and you don't even pay attention that your grandfather's there i said enjoy him before he dies and she gave me a look not too happy she said but i am there with that with my grandfather and since she was sitting across from me i was giving her a look and she did not touch the phone (laughs) the rest of the time (laughs) so i felt proud of her that she was afraid because i was watching her (laughs) oh gosh it's sad Brianna, anyway, you, you guys, like very good for you. No, we're we're <laughs> here. No, we're still here. I just want to get Brianna. Brianna takes a uh, likes to think before talking, which is something I should probably learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just talk. You know? Yeah, Brianna, <laughs> do you see generational differences like that, or are people that uh, you know the phone is so engaging for people? I mean, I was, I'll give you a quick example. You know, because I raised a daughter, and then uh, after I was divorced, I was a weekend dad, and I never let my kids sit around, you know, doing nothing unless we were watching movies. And we did a movie tour. We started with you know, the 1940s and the 50s films and the 60s films. We, we talked about these things in historical context. So it actually was a reason for doing it. Plus the fact that the films were really fun. Um, but we were always out, you know, one day, you know, and I was in San Francisco. So we were at Fisherman's Wharf, different neighborhoods, we at the beach, you know. You know, one day a blue whale washed up and we explored that. That was pretty disgusting, but it was also interesting. You know, but we were always doing something. You know, I always did every weekend that, you know, I had my kid, we always did things. I never was on a phone, you know, unless so, the, the, she was on a phone or it was like homework or something like that. But uh, I don't understand. And then, because I have no regrets now. I did everything I could want to do. We traveled. We had adventures. We explored neighborhoods. We talked. We went on everything, boats, planes. I took on a balloon ride for her ninth birthday. You know, I mean, we, we did it all. It was great. How can parents miss that? I don't understand. Brianna, that's what do you a think? beautiful What's, memory. Oh, they're they're mm-hmm. amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Believe me, I I, I love them. You know, we had a, we had a great time. Now she's an adult. <laughs> she's, she's doing her thing, which is great. But anyway, uh, Brianna, generational. Do you, do you see the same things that we're seeing in terms of people are missing out on these incredible opportunities to interact, and you can't get them back. You know, every day, yeah. a, a day. You know, you you only get one day per day. You know, and then it's gone. Brianna. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and one of the other things I see is. With the older generation, not adults, but like the um, older people, like probably 60s and 70s, maybe even some of those in their 50s. Well, that's, that's Josie and me. Like, um, <laughs> You're talking that's about us. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what's well, well, You'll get there, Brianna. Like, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we've gone to like the uh, McDonald's in the morning for breakfast a couple of times um, mm-hmm. over the years. And one of the really consistent things is there's, like, a group of older men inside. And they mm-hmm. always, like, sit and have coffee together. And they just talk for hours. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, I don't think anybody my age would even think of doing. Just sitting and talking with their friends for a while. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Guys I mean, have done that. I'll tell you, back, is, is back through thousands of years, men have gotten together in pubs you know, in old England in the 1500s and, and uh, you know, it's across Europe and across all the different, so the, the ancient Greeks, you know, the men would gather and drink whatever ancient Greeks drank and, you know, wine or whatever, and they would talk. And, you know, so this is a long, long-standing tradition. In fact, our founders, uh, you know, a lot of the legislation, a lot of the ideas for the revolution um, came from, you know, guys talking in pubs. I mean, so this is, a, this is a fine tradition. We may be losing that now to the guys that you know, 
are they, do they just hang out? Do they just do stuff? You know, I used to go bike riding with a group of friends. You know, we'd, we'd do stuff. We go to, to uh, Walden Pond, you know, the infamous, you know, the, you know Henry David Thoreau's Walden Pond. Well, let's swim. I mean, great time. <laughs> you know, but uh, I think the, now the, guys, the new form of talking for hours is um, video Texting. games with each other. <laughs> video games? That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think funny. that's the okay. new conversation method of <sighs> Josie, we have to save. I don't the have generation. any. <laughs> we got. We got to do something. I don't yes. know. Well, we'll just. We're trying. Actually, the best thing you can do, Brianna, is lead by example. Get your friends together. Go out, have fun, interact, and, and do that. Let me. I want to move on to Josie's report because we want to uh, uh, talk about this. So, so, Brianna, if you have time, uh, feel free to stick around. But that was first of all, you brought up a lot of really in, important issues. And next week's election day, so you too. Guess what? We get to talk elections because it'll be election day. So that will be very cool. So let me get to Josie's theme. Brianna, I promise I'm going to make you one. It's just been, uh, things get a little hectic around here. So let's get to Josie and be right back. It's all right. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Yeah, so give me all the details. How was the election stolen in Brazil? <laughs> Inquiring Good minds morning. want to know. Good morning. <laughs> Dobre utra. This is Buenos dias. Dobre utra. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, Josie-san. Uh, Ni hao. Well, it Good is with you. very sad what's happening. But you know what, Greg? This what? is well organized to happen all over Central and South America and uh-huh. uh, Israel and all those other countries. Kind of like the domino well theory. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. Take the countries down one at a time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is well organized by George Soros and the United Nations, this whole thing. Yeah, uh-huh. it's happening. Uh, and we know it. A lot of people are crying. I have lots of friends here from Brazil, uh, some in North Carolina. and It's, it's very sad. Uh, some of them are crying. Like what happened in Colombia recently? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this new president, Ignacio Lula da Silva, he's a crook. He was arrested in 2010 because no, that he was for office. he was money laundering uh, lots and lots and lots of money, mm-hmm. and he's he was Democrat. arrested. And people were happy that he yeah. was arrested. Now he's back. So, yeah, this is no good. Yeah. They stole here's, the election. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, as I say, here's what I see in common. I've, I've got a bunch of different articles, uh, which I've been reading. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the same thing. Uh, they rig the polls. They co-opt yep. the voting machines. They, I, don't, I haven't read about uh, ballot harvesting or, or, uh, or stuffing ballot boxes, but I'm sure that went on. The, the election, the, the margin of victory is 0.9%. It's not even 1%. It's like all the battleground states in the United States. So in other words, they stole just enough to make it look like a close election, but they still, you know, push the, the, the guy over the edge. And apparently um, Bolsonaro, the, the president of Brazil, was quite popular. 
you know, he rode in on, yeah. a, on a right-wing wave. In other words, people actually got their freedom. You know, gun ownership increased, you know, private enterprise increased, all the good things happened. People got their freedom. Now, people don't usually give up freedom once they get more of it. Usually it has to be taken. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. and the people that, that can't stand freedom take it. And so this to me, this is a replay of 2020. This is a replay of installing, you know, basically uh, Brazil's version of, of Brandon. You know, some doddering old idiot who can be already has a criminal record. And we know Biden has a criminal record. You know, it just hasn't been investigated yeah. fully yet. But you, so you put a criminal in who owes China, who owes, you know, the deep state, who can be controlled and manipulated. Why do you think? Well, I want to ask you both about this, too, about uh, Obama. You know, this is, you know, Obama term three. You know, he's the one who's doing the campaigning. Well, things are so oh, yeah. bad. Things are so bad that he has to get out there. And is he trying to save Biden? No. He's trying to save his policies. See, the same yeah. thing, I think this is why these elections are stolen. They don't care about who's the head. They'll have some figurehead that they can manipulate, but it's really about the policies, and the policies are no energy, no freedom, maximum taxation, maximum control, educational indoctrination, you know, a terrible military, you know, a constant invasion by illegals to, to water down your country's values, and all these other things. So it seems to me the same pattern. Let's go to Josie first, then we'll get to Brianna, since you're still here, which is good. <clears throat> Josie, how am I doing? Does this make sense? Um, yeah, absolutely, Greg. Okay. This is what's happening. Uh, they have uh, those special machines to steal the election and just enough points, not too mm-hmm. much in this case, yeah. to make the other person win. And this is what's been going on in America for years. We did not know. But Donald mm-hmm. Trump is going to expose the whole thing all the way up to 2004. He has all the evidence. He's going to present them how they've been doing this. Uh, just enough numbers for the other person so it's not too suspicious. But, yeah, this, this agenda has been going on, but now it's in full force uh, to all these countries to be communists. Uh, Mexico has a communist president, mm-hmm. Colombia, Venezuela. Well, Cuba's been around for years. Uh, in Israel, they stole the election in Israel, too. They stole yeah. the election here. So you see it everywhere in these countries. There's an agenda, the United Nations with Obama, George Soros, and our government are really, oh, and in 2014, they put Zelensky in Ukraine because they had all plans, ready to yep. go. The whole thing's been planned since way back. So, yes, this is this is sad, and the people already know it. Before, it didn't, they didn't think about it too much. They're like, oh, it's an election, all that. <clears throat> the president in Nicaragua, where I was born, he was arresting the people running against him. He was putting them in jail, and people didn't know what happened to that person. Like, he managed to disappear. Yeah, that's what they were Yeah. 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 Well, I got, uh, I got Pianca in the line. I'm going to make his line live in a second. I've got an ad Go I'm ahead. trying to get rid of because they had the actual results. Let me make uh, this reversing. This is, this is not, uh, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. I had, I had the election. Oh, here we go. So this is from Raw Story. The website says Brazil's Bolsonaro goes down in presidential election after saying he'd stage a coup if he lost. This is the other thing they do, too. So Hillary's always said that. Well, the, the right-wing extremists in 2024 with the state legislatures. What she's really saying is that the state legislatures who have the constitutional authority to, to appoint their electors, you know, usually by the popular vote, the way it's supposed. So here's the vote. 
here's the button. Now, this is what I find fascinating. Uh, I'll get to Bianca and then Brianna. Uh, so we've got 9% of the reports in. It's a Lula da Silva. Just so you can tell me about my pronunciation. 60,144,431 votes. Lula. Okay, whereas uh, Bolsonaro, and then they say former president, Luis Lula. And they Okay, so Bolsonaro is the far right, but the other one is the former president. See how they characterize it? That's propaganda. Far right's Bolsonaro got 58,000, uh, 58,053,463. The difference is 50.9 to, you know, 49.1. That's less than 1% difference. That yeah. is vote fraud. That is a stolen election. Let's get Pianchi real quick. His line's live, then we'll get to Brianna. Pianchi? Welcome to the show. You know, funny thing you made mention about that's where uh, Fatima's wife is from, isn't she? And she came to Who's the that? country. It's six or seven. The guy's running Fetterman. for uh, governor and no senate, senator in Pennsylvania. Ain't he? Yeah, we lost it for just a second. Got so ahead Fetterman's, Fetterman's wife is Brazilian. Is Brazilian? Well, that could, that's interesting. Is she the one that said that swim, swimming is racist? The what's racist? Is she uh, came to the country when she was seven is, is illegal. Oh, she and she wasn't deported. What a shame. All right, uh, that's an interesting thing. So, well, we have uh, we have people in in California that brag about being here illegally and then running for office and they're accepted instead of being deported. Brianna, what do you think? Do you, do you do you follow the international election at all, or do you see the parallels with our own? What's your take on this? Um, I don't follow a whole lot of elections, and sometimes I get up to it. And sorry, I miss a lot of uh, what you guys are saying. I had a quick bathroom break. <laughs> okay, um, that's fine. So right, I don't well, know a lot of the discussion you had. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, this is something you might want to take a look. We do have, uh, well, if you're on Facebook, we've got the international uh, news group. I'm going to post some of the stories there. But uh, you, you watch around, you'll see patterns, and this is the reason for doing it. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you comment when you want to. And so hang out for, for a while. Uh, you can just listen. But, uh, yeah, if you want to join in, feel free to do that. Let's get back to Josie uh, because uh, that makes sense that Brazil would, would kind of, you know, be part of what's going on here. You know, in other words, if the wife is a globalist, Fetterman, they want Fetterman in. Uh, and Fetterman and uh, they don't have to think. You know, they're thinking for them. And I see the whole Congress of idiots. They would just, you know, vote as they're told to vote, like most of the rest of the world's legislators. Josie? Well, it's just like Kamala Harris. She was born from illegal parents, so she's mm-hmm. an illegal. Uh, she has illegal status in America, and she's the vice president of the United States. So what example mm-hmm. are we giving our children that we allow this fraud to go on in this country? She's mm-hmm. not illegal in this country at all. She's well, look at the reaction. You know, I agree with you, too. And I've said this, too. Same thing with Obama. Has never, you know, we had Joe Arpaio on my show at WBY said that uh, his birth certificate mm-hmm. was a fraud. You know, and that was his ruling. He made that ruling before he came on the show, so I already knew it. But uh, what is the most disturbing to me is that we don't question these things. You know, if someone says, hey, we think the president, you know, might be born somewhere else, or when Obama was running, you know what, he's probably not eligible to vote because he wasn't born here. You know, and instead of investigating that completely so that we can safeguard our country, what does the media do? Just the opposite. They condemn the people for asking the question. Same thing with Kamala Harris. 
If you say she's an illegal alien, which I believe she is an illegal alien, and the proof is very simple. I don't have to believe it. The proof is that her parents were not legally here. They're on expired student visas. So they couldn't be here. So you can't give birth to an American citizen unless you're an American citizen, at least one of the parents. We've talked about that. There is no birthright citizenship. It's not geographical uh, jurisdiction. It's citizenship jurisdiction. So the citizenship, in order for parents to transfer citizenship to their kids to be American, then one of them has to be American or a permanent yes. resident. That's the only way it can happen. You know, and so permanent this is, this is BS. Citizen. But, the, but nobody questions. So in other words, it's like a whistleblower in a corporation. Rather than fixing the problem, they go after the whistleblower and fire them. So what is going on in a yes. country that nobody, nobody can ask the questions and people are afraid? Not on this show. And we, you know, hey. There's a reason we're being censored, folks, because we do ask those questions and we do talk about this it's stuff. Corrupt. Yeah, 100% Jesse, go ahead. corrupt, Greg. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. There is a lady, I forgot which of the states. One uh, lady came from Peru and now she's ruling, demanding that if a parent complains about changing the sex of their child at 12 years old in their state, they're going to arrest their parents. Their parents don't have no say so at all. And this mm-hmm. lady just got here. So how does she have all this power? You know, this is so corrupt, corrupt. Mm-hmm. This lady well, is probably illegal in this country. Yeah. Huh? Well, I don't, I don't know if she's illegal, but, but the thing is, yeah, the, how do how these people with these ideas that would never – see, when you and I became citizens, you couldn't become a citizen if, if you wanted to subvert the Constitution. No. You, had to swear, you just had to swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Well, you can't swear yeah. that oath without – reservation without mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Yes, Those are the right. rules. That's the oath. We all swore that. We believe it. We live it every day. That's mm-hmm. why we're here on the show. Yeah. So, so immigrants yeah. in many ways, legal, lawful immigrants in many ways are much stronger in terms of the American ideals than people who are born here, you know, by accident, whatever, that don't, that they're victims of public school and things like that. So because of this, now, but that's changed. Josie, so I don't know when this changed, but somewhere along the way, the, the immigration process had to have changed because you've got, the, look, at, look at Twitter. Now, Elon Musk has done a wonderful thing. I'm back on Twitter, Action Radio GP. Okay, so all you folks get out there, Action Radio GP. Uh, I'm publishing all the things, you know, that, uh, that I couldn't do before, <laughs> which is really great, you know. And so maybe I'll yeah. post some of my videos on, uh, you know. They're on, keeping on the, me out. You know, They're saying my password, my this. Yeah, no, I don't you know what's Twitter. going on. Well, see, yeah. I was always on Twitter, yeah. but they suppressed me. For some reason, I, I don't get banned. I just get completely blocked. They got me out yeah. uh, last you year. Must- you must have said something. So I'm just now coming back, and now the page is like all blue. I cannot get in, and it's just a mess. So I have to well, that's weird. A bit. I don't know. Okay. So the problem but is still me, uh, Yeah, go ahead. Let me say quickly, um, the, uh, the friends of mine that I was talking to yesterday, Brazilian, they are insisting that the president now should investigate this election, and that's what they want. The people in Brazil... If not, it's going to be a war in Brazil, and they're ready. They said they're ready and willing to go to war because uh, uh, they're not going to put up with this criminal. They already know that he's a thief, a crook, and a liar, and that's why he got arrested in 2010, and they're not going to tolerate this. This is not like America, so I don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Think of what you just said. Yeah. Think of what you just said. This is not like America. They're not going to tolerate it. We used to be that country. We, we used, used to. to. 
Yeah, we used to, we used it's to been be. bred out of us. And I'll tell you that COVID, you know, COVID exposed the fact that uh, the public schools have done their damage. They've indoctrinated people that they're powerless, that they should be afraid, that the government has experts, that they can tell you what to do and that mm-hmm. they're correct. This is all a bunch of nonsense. So the Brazilians, more power to them. Do you know what's interesting? Tucker Carlson had uh, the, the president of El Salvador, one of my favorite people. He was on the show uh, last night. Oh, really? And so El Salvador is this little beacon oh, of I hope. Uh, he, mm-hmm. You can catch repeat. Go to go to YouTube. Tucker Carlson is usually on YouTube. They yeah, don't ban well. him, you know, and he can say things that that no one else in in uh, mainstream media apparently is able to get away with. He's really good. But that's like the last bastion of hope now is El Salvador. What does that mean? Doesn't that mean mm-hmm. the savior? And if I, El Salvador. What's that in English? Yes. Well, Salvador means the savior. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, isn't that isn't that interesting? That the one country yeah. that has, still has freedom in all of Central and South America, the most freedom, is a country named El Salvador. I find that interesting. El Salvador. That yeah. is cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to work on my pronunciation. El Salvador. How do I do? El Salvador. Salvador. Okay. Give me a Spanish accent. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> El Salvador. El Salvador. I'm working on mm-hmm. it. I'll get there. Yeah. But, but let's get to the basic question. And Pianchi and, and Brianna, if you want to answer this too, what happened to us? Why don't we question? When do we become a nation of cowards? Why is it that the Brazilians are going to stand up and, and scream and yell. And, of course, the, the opposition is the same thing we get here. You can't question the election. You're an election designer, des- you know, denier. You're, you're not a patriot. You're a right-wing fanatic. You, know, you don't know what you're talking about. The experts have said this is the, the best election in history. It's exactly the same propaganda. I looked at the stories. In fact, I said, you know, I, I put a, a search in this morning. How was the Brazilian election stolen? And the first 50 articles, the Brazilian election was not stolen. Oh, give me a break. You just, you, that's not what I asked. <laughs> I asked just the opposite. Same propaganda from Google. Well, actually, DuckDuckGo, which is almost the same thing now. So where where did we go wrong? You know, was it COVID before COVID? We've got a problem. People need to start questioning. Or is it all so suppressed that the people like us that are questioning can't get any traction because they're they're canceling us out of uh, of the media because it's just not in their interest to have people be free? And that's the next question. Pianchi, what do you think of all this? I don't know. It looked like uh, Lula. I've heard that name before in my time, so. Same people. Mm-hmm. Now, Brazil is, is a little different uh, because they were Portuguese as opposed to Spanish. Do you know Brazilian history, Josie? I probably should look this up, too. Do you know how they came about? Because they had slaves, I know that. But they, they're, they're a Portuguese yeah. colony as opposed to a Spanish colony. So the, is, does that make a yeah. difference in their history? It is a little different uh, from us to speak Spanish, but you can understand a lot of words uh, from Brazilian Portuguese, uh, but uh, we treat them like if they were part of us uh, from South America, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they have history. A... When did they get their independence? Actually, Brianna, if you're selling life, you can look up your little Brazilian history for us. When did Brazil get their Brazil independence? Brazil has the largest uh, population of blacks other than African continent, too. You know that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They do. How much mm-hmm. were slaves and how many people moved there um, voluntarily? Is it mostly a slave-based origin or is it do, do the Africans yeah, say? Yeah, slaves. Hey, there wasn't no voluntarily. Okay. Once blacks get into America, they don't move. <laughs> so, Bianchi, I got a question for you. Are black people blaming the white people in Brazil for having so many blacks in Brazil? You know? They blame me. They blame it. See, Brazil said that they would uh, make blacks disappear. In 1875, you had the Mohawk 
Mohawk Convention, which was convened by former President Rutherford Hayes, and mm-hmm. the topic, it was held in Niagara, and the topic was, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with the blacks, basically? And the attendees from Brazil and, of course, the United States, and it was over. Uh, those from the United States said they would use uh, Jim Crow and uh, this uh, segregation. And those down in South America said they would use a form of assimilating. Uh, like down in Argentina, blacks have just disappeared in Argentina. They just disappeared. And You're in Brazil, yeah, in Brazil, they were just absorbed. These, but the Brazil had, you know, Condoleezza Rice and, and uh, Bush was in Brazil, and mm-hmm. he heard the, the uh, claim, and she said, yes, did you not know that? To uh, mm-hmm. George Bush Jr. Yeah. And on the and, and, um, independence, it got independence September 7th of 1822. Oh, wow. So that's about the same time the Spanish colonies, because I remember, I think between 1810 and 18, you know, 30 is when most of the countries of South Africa, Central America got independence from, from Spain. So this is all happening about the same time. So they've been independent for a while. Yeah, yeah it looks yeah. like Thanks, Brianna. in like kind of like that same five year or whatever, there's also like Mexico and Argentina. Mm. It got systematic mm-hmm. racism. Now, you want to see some systematic racism, go to Brazil. No dark complexion black people are in the reporting, the, visual, the visibility in the news, you know, like newscasters mm-hmm. and probably actors. Mm-hmm. I understand that, 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 that they are visible or not visible in, in uh Brazil. Not visible. You don't see anything yeah. darker than uh, Beyonce, uh, if you get that. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's fascinating. Know, That's, do, you know, Bianchi, do you know, Bianchi, you know that I am, and I'm around a lot of Brazilians, people from a lot of countries. I, I have a lot of friends from a lot of places. Um, oh. What I notice what is the only... The only racial accusation and all that is against Americans, because in Nicaragua we have Bluefield, which is all black. They're not accusing uh, the white folks in Nicaragua about slavery, or in Brazil, or or any other country. Or, or they're not blaming Africa. They saw the blacks to be slaves to come to America and to come all over the world. They only blame the United States because. We got money. That's why. That's how I see it. Me, personally. What do you think? Well, yeah, that's that's that's, that's the case. But uh, I think you had uh, like six, 80, 60, 80 million blacks in Brazil, maybe more than that. I don't know. I know that it's the second largest population mm-hmm. of blacks on the African continent is okay. Brazil. Mm-hmm. Well, Brazil had a lot more slaves than we did, so this actually makes sense. Now, this is what's curious, because you know, when I think of Brazil, I don't see you know black faces. I think you're absolutely right. You know, 
I think of Saint-Tropez and Rio de Janeiro and Carnival and all those wonderful things and Buenos Aires and, uh, you know, all that stuff coming out of Brazil. I think Buenos Aires is in Brazil. I hope so. There's a lot um, of poverty in Rio de Janeiro where his wife comes from, by the way. A lot oh, of that's, poverty. That's fair. Yeah. But, but the thing is, you, you're right. You don't think poverty about it. So, uh, so do they have – are there black politicians in Brazil or is there a systematic – you know, let's say that this is we use here all the time, systematic racism. So is there a huge discrimination? And, and why would the American left not be persecuting Brazil saying, look, you don't want to be as racist as Brazil is? Exactly. You know, I mean, how come they're not using Brazil as an example? It, it, it's the same thing in Cuba. There's, when I was in Cuba a couple of times, there's so many black people everywhere. And in Puerto Rico – and in uh, Dominican Republic, and, and you know what I'm saying uh, earlier, is they're not accusing all these people to have all the black owners or black in the past. They only do it in America because they want to get millions of dollars. So it's just, to me, it's just so stupid. We're people, we're humans, you know. But I, I, I didn't live through the slavery time for me to be responsible to pay reparations. Or be blamed to, you know what I mean? That's how I. Or to get it, reparations. So. I, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, here's here's the thought though. Remember when uh, Dr. Peter Pry was here? He he made some very interesting comments regarding white supremacy. And Brianna, I'd be curious your reaction too if you're if you get a chance on this as well. What Peter was saying was that uh, freedom, freedom came basically from from writers in Europe. You know, white guys, uh, Magna Carta. You know, the, the Locke and, and Hobbes and the, the folks that had the early philosophies that uh, the founders used here. So when what Peter was saying, that the, when, they, when the left talks about white supremacy, what they're really talking about is the freedom that was brought here from, you know, white guys. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, you know, Madison, all these people, mm-hmm. Thomas Paine, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Henry. The guys, you know, the guys that brought freedom to this country basically were white guys. And so when the left says white supremacy or when they talk about this they really the people the reason they hate you know us white guys so much is because you know we and of course a lot of other people now you know throughout the world but uh, in this country especially those that love freedom you know the, the one group they can blame are the people that brought freedom here the white guys yeah and so white yeah. supremacy what they're talking about is not the supremacy of the white race they're talking about the supremacy of freedom over tyranny freedom and see this is what we all believe mm-hmm. you don't have to be a white guy to believe this but what it, what it really means is this is what when they say white supremacy peter was saying that they're saying that this is about freedom being supreme to tyranny which of course it is that's what we're fighting for all the time and tyranny unfortunately is, is doing a lot better than, than freedom right now in a lot of places we just saw a stolen election so the, the those that believe in tyranny have to steal elections mm-hmm. because the people naturally want freedom we proved that i proved that on action radio yeah, every day. look at our look at our audience around the world. Yeah, Brianna, go ahead. Yeah, I think that goes along with the whole point of redefining what things mean and, and the kind of face value of things, like not okay. actually seeing what things are truly meaning or the true purpose of. As mm-hmm. that goes back to that critical thinking, I guess, of, of how you can come to that conclusion. Right, so in other words, it's, critical it's like thinking is... Yeah, yeah. So critical thinking is when the, the, the left teaches people how to criticize everything that, uh, that we value, God, family, country, patriotism, freedom, things like that. So, Brianna, I'm curious your take on that, because you've probably never heard this before. But the idea that white supremacy is, is not so much white, it's, it's freedom. 
And if you just put the word freedom supremacy, these people hate freedom so much. They think that the freedom, you know, that if, if unless they control the government, the government's going to keep us free and they can't have that. So the supremacy, the real war is between freedom and tyranny. Same word always is between government and people, between control and, and individual rights. How does that strike and, you? Yeah, that, I think it, it's a – Go ahead. And I think that's a big thing also with like what you're saying about freedom and tyranny. It, it goes right back to the Constitution, too, mm-hmm. of backing up the point that you're making here. Because they say, um, like you're saying, white supremacy and all these different problems and everything else. And the way that they want to fix it is to take away freedoms or take away guns, for example. Like um, one of the uh, really prominent sayings now is um, – the second is to protect the first. You know, we have guns so that we can protect our rights, and they're wanting to take away both. They don't want people to have any power against them taking away their freedom of speech. And it's um, they want to take away the safeguards that we have to have these rights because they know they can't fight against them. So that's part of, like, the uh, screen that they use of – saying, oh, it's white supremacy, this is how we solve this problem, even though that's not the problem that they're actually trying to get rid of at all. Mm -hmm. I think that goes right along with what you're kind of explaining here. Yeah, makes sense. Panel? In uh, Cape Verde, in Cape Verde, they had a a social uh, saying that don't marry anything darker than you. And marrying white fixes up the race. Yeah, but I don't think I this is a racial issue. Business, I think this is a, uh, yeah, I think, I think race is being used to cover the real argument. So, so to give us what Brianna was saying, that, that race is used, they're making it a white supremacy, making it a racial issue, but it's really a freedom supremacy over tyranny, that that's what they're really trying to get to. And again, this is being used, you know, and so anything that can break down, you know, God, family, and country is that's the supremacy that they're talking about the supremacy of the idea of freedom of individual rights of god family and country those are the things that they want you to be critical of so in other words your critical thinking skills are the skills necessary to criticize god family country freedom and individual rights that's what it's all about i just found that interesting well that's um, we went to puerto rico puerto rico the same way too yeah interesting brianna (laughs) They got this. I think the idea of skin color using like the one drop rule, for instance, if you had one drop, that was like a social, you know, it wasn't a government uh, rule. It was something that was going on in the, uh, in the community, among people in the, in the community. It was a social victim rather than something that was portrayed by legislation. Well, how do we get so hung up on skin color? I mean, I understand, you know, when, when uh, slaves came from Africa, because Africa had slavery. <clears throat> so slaves are going to look like Africans because that's who they were. Okay, I understand that. But these days, skin color, it's still being used in the same way to separate everybody. You know, I grew up in a, in a school system in Australia where skin color was pretty much meaningless. We didn't even know. We had no concept of race. So I'm going to ask Brianna again, since you're still here, which is good. Thank you. Um, skin color. I mean, do you see, when you see a different skin color, does it register as a group, an individual, a person, you know, is your generation going to maybe do something about this and sort of lessen the, the impact? Because to the left, it's everything, even though they really mean the ideology. They use skin color in lieu of ideology, but they're really ideologically discriminating, but they use skin color. How important is skin color? 
you know, can we get away from this someday, um, hopefully? I, I don't think it's... Hold on, hold on, Pianchi. I'll get, I'll get back to you. Go ahead, Brianna. Like, for me and, and my family and um, basically, like, a lot of the friends that I've had, um, we don't really look at, at skin color when we see a person. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to describe them to somebody, you would say, like, oh, they're black or they're white, but you don't really count that into anything of how you know this person or who they are or anything. You don't really account for that at all you know and um the only really way that you see any like um anything of race and stuff is if you're looking at like demographics in different areas like uh, if i'm looking up on research for one of the school projects that i do and you have to look at the demographics in that area that's something that you go and you actually focus on races on, on what it shows you know but other than that it's not something you really care about yeah. Well, At that's encouraging. I, I have a feeling that's what you say. Well, here's something, too. Though. When you look up a project for school, do you need racial data or is income more important? Like, especially if you look at the, the Marxian class, you know, middle class, lower class, upper class in terms of income, because uh, that kind of transcends race. So why do we have racial classifications? And is that obsolete at this point as opposed to income mm-hmm. for, for statistical purposes? Honestly, um. I don't really see, like, the point in it, I guess, unless you're trying to actually have some more specific facts on it, kind of like age and money and stuff. I don't see the huge importance of it. And the reason that I used it in one of my projects was because it was over a case study that they made us do, and they were trying to say, like, um, you know, uh, that the uh, police brutality is all based on racism and how there's, like, a war against the black people and... Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. Need, was this public um, school? Where did you get this class project? <laughs> oh, yeah, that is called the school. It's a lady. Uh, yeah. She she was talking about that's what the teachers was. Oh, she's out in California. I sent you that article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A former teacher. Yeah. But I, I wonder what's going on in the schools right now. So I want to get back to you, Pianchi, but uh, Brianna, where did you get this project? I think you told me about this before. Yeah, I told you a snippet about it before. Um, so. Okay. Basically, it's a TEL class, and the, it, it's kind of like a double-sided thing because the one thing that I was really glad about in this class is a lot of the information that the teacher is teaching and uh, the actual, like, constitution of it is true, like how the laws and stuff work. Now, the actual history of Zen and Fathers, they don't teach at all, like, any of that. They just kind of teach the process of, of the government constitution, and a lot of that they get correct. But this one instance, they were doing a case study, and what it was is they had this short little essay, maybe three paragraphs over um, the topic of, you know, um, racism. And and they used George Floyd to say that systemic racism was a problem and uh, our views on defunding the police for this problem. And basically we had to choose one of three options to, I guess, solve it or what we believe would be the solution or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the first one was that no – the funding should stay with the police. It shouldn't really be touched. You know, it doesn't really help the problem. And the second one was the um, you should defund the police and give the money to the government to give to the uh, communities that need it. And then the third one, um, I don't really remember. I think it was something about, like, reframing everything, like restructuring things and retraining everything. Um, There's something in regards to that. And basically what you had to do is you had to choose which option 
and then you had to back it up with like an outside source, and then you had to put it in a discussion with all the other people. And everything is everything is um, anonymous. Like they have code names, and I'm really upset with the code name that they gave me. They gave me the code name Orange Rhino because they give you a color and <laughs> that, an animal. That, that's not a code. And I was I was a little upset about that one. <laughs> That's easily discernible. Yeah, that's that's hysterical. Well, you know what's interesting about this, and I want to get I'll get to uh, Josie, who's been on for a bit, and then Pianchi. But what's fascinating about what you're talking about is I would pick option four. The premise of the question is wrong. Okay, the, the, there's not a systemic racism. You look at all the facts from the FBI and all the stats that uh, black people are not arrested in huge numbers, you know, for, for crimes they didn't commit. And, and black people are not killed in greater numbers. You know, and actually white guys are killed more, you know, by police. You know, so you look at all these things. So the premise of the question is wrong. So, so that was what, th- this, is, this is why I got thrown out of school a lot or out of classes, because I say, no, your question's wrong. You can't ask that question. But do you see how the question itself propagandizes you? Because this is, okay, this, this is the premise. So they're not giving you the option to accept the premise or not. They're saying you have to accept this premise. And then these are your three options. You know, defund the police, fund the police, or yeah, restructure stuff. Okay. You know what this reminds me of? And one of Did you ever these... hear about, go ahead. I got, I got a point for you. Yeah, go ahead. One of the things with this that was, like, really interesting, like, for me, whatever I did, I, I chose option one, so I should stay with it. And then I, like, of course, you know, backed it up. But the one thing that I did differently than basically all the other ones is that a lot of the other ones, they focused on the points. Like, there were some people that or there were some that were like, oh, yeah, defund the police. Systemic racism, systemic racism is horrible. But, of course, they only had one source, and it was CNN. So, you know, it, you know that was obviously kind of but So what did the orange rhinos um, um, so I'll get to that in just a second, but something that the other people did is they, they pinpoint points like, oh, no, systemic racism isn't really a problem. Here's this, here's this. Oh, this is the culture. Here's this, this, this. Some of the highlighted points that are true and stuff, but I, I took kind of like a different aspect rather than like attacking the different points. I kind of like was figuring out, okay, what's their argument here? And I was like, okay, so this is their evidence. Because the evidence that they, the only evidence that they chose for this um was like in the 50s and 60s civil rights movement. That was oh, their yeah, one great time. evidence. Great, great time period. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And their second piece of evidence, the only other one that they had, was George Floyd. And so I was like, well, you know, the only way to fight this is to just, you know, dismantle the argument. So I was like, this is an argument that is easily dismantled, right? And if you dismantle the argument, then everything else, it's, it's fallible. It, none of it really works anymore if you can't back anything up with your evidence. So I was like, okay, well, let me do this. And so I went in and, and I looked up all the information for the George Floyd thing, and I was looking at some of the trial information and basically any of the videos that I can get my hands on, which is really difficult to find any footage of, like, all the events, like, together in series because all of them are like short tiny little clips of, of this and this and a lot of the things have a bunch of commentary on it. It's like I don't want any commentary at all. I don't I just want to watch this. Um so it was it was really difficult to find like the actual footage. But when you go in and, and you actually look at this and you you look at statistics, you look at what happened and you watch it firsthand to get the actual knowledge of it, it's a completely different storyline. You know, it, it's as if it wasn't ever actually a problem at all. Like, there's nothing really wrong with what happened except this guy overdosed and died. And I know a lot of people are angry about that, saying, like, no, 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 the police officer killed him. But then you've got to look at the autopsy report. The autopsy report ha- ha- said that there was no um, bodily harm or anything on his neck, on any part of him, and that the uh, um, only thing was, like, the big overdose of drugs. And 
Well, I'm really getting into it really kind of. No, you're on a roll. Keep going. This. No, you're, <laughs> but, you're doing fine. I'm going to give yeah. you a round of applause. Because you chose option and I know four. The question is wrong, which is, which is brilliant. That's why you're on the show, by the way, is, is because I love the way you think. So, so keep going. I want to hear more about this. Then I've got a, a question for you as well. And the people are wanting to, like, persecute um, the police officer for, you know, doing something wrong and illegal about putting his knee on the neck. But in the actual, like, training and stuff, that was something that they were trained to do. And yep. the effects of it actually caused no harm to him at all. And they were actually trying to help him. And they put him on the ground at his request. Like, he didn't want to be in the car because he was having a panic attack because of the drugs. So they put him on the ground at his request. And he was fighting and, and resisting against them while on the ground. And people say, oh, there was no resistance and stuff. And I, I think what the people that are saying no resistance, I think what they're looking for is a brawl. And, you know, you don't have to be in a brawl for it to still be resisting you know, not wanting to be arrested or put in a car or just fighting against the police and, you know, trying to uh, persuade them, you know, just like trying to get them not to arrest you and bring you to jail for committing a crime, you know, like um, uh, currency fraud. Why don't you think this came out at trial? This would be, this would be the, the perfect defense, that uh, there was no bodily harm, that uh, he, he asked to be put out there. He was being held. He wasn't. But the fact is, no, if he couldn't breathe, that's different. But if he could breathe and he was just being held there, you know, while he's going through a drug overdose, that's a different thing. But, you know, how come they didn't come out in trial? What do you think? Because that's, like, that's, the, that's the perfect defense because it sounds real. Yeah. And one of the things in the trial – that a lot of people say is there's nothing in the trial about race at all. It had nothing to do with race. The event had nothing to do with race. Like the people called it, the cops weren't just driving around looking for a black man in a car and said, Oh, here's this guy. I think we should go and kill him. Like that didn't happen. They, they, the people called the police because he, he committed a crime and he was, and people were saying, Oh, he looked drunk. You know, some people said, Oh, he looked high. There was, there was a bunch of different, different conflicting things of what he looked like, what he, he seemed to be. And they, um, and and with that, one of the things in the video of the actual him in the store that I thought was a little odd is there was a different guy, and the guy that also went in the car with him, and the other guy, whenever he came in, the first time he came over and he got money from George Floyd, and he went back over to where they said like the cigarette counter was or whatever, and purchased something I don't know what it was, and so my question is, did that guy take some of the uh, fraudulent money from George Floyd to pay with those things? Like, did he use fake money as well, or was it only George Floyd? And if he did, did anything at all happen to that guy for a time? But it's just, just just a little bit separate from that. But with it, I kind of went into dismantling the argument of what happened. Of, yeah, you took option four, uh, which... Uh, systemic I racism. No, I th- yeah. So, so your conclusion on systemic racism is what? I got Juliet on the line. I'll get to her in a bit too, but I want to go to Josie and then Pianchi. But what's, what was your conclusion now that you've taken option four? The question is wrong. Um, so I, you had to choose like one of the three options because it was an assignment. So I said the one that the money should stay in there, and then mm-hmm. I dismantled the argument and said, Actually, I think they should get more funding to have better training to handle people. Because, I mean, you see so a lot of videos action, now. Uh, what was the grade you got? Did the teachers criticize you for not following orders or what? What happened? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't checked. Um, okay. Just curious. But all I right. followed all the criteria. So, I mean. <laughs> 
You know, I hate to say this, and this was probably, you know, might be, uh, you remind me of me. Because <laughs> when I was in school, I would do exactly the same thing. I would take the argument, take it apart, use their framework so I wouldn't get in too much trouble, but totally defy everything that they said, write a whole lot of sarcasm in there, prove them wrong, prove them to be idiots, and still get away with it because I didn't say anything overtly bad. That's how I got through school. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. One of the... One of it's the things true. that we had to do in it was we had to ask a question to one of the other responses. And it, they said it had to be a, a real thoughtful question, like truly questioning why they put something in there. Okay. And so, of course, I chose somebody who put the second one, right? That's the only one you have to choose in these instances, right? I mean, come on. So <laughs> I chose this one. And they were a big advocate saying, yeah, systemic racism is a big thing, and the government needs to take this money out, defund the police, and give it to these different communities and give them food and shelter and uh, basically kind of like a welfare system, take the money away from the police and give it to these people because the police are useless. Kind of, that's the kind of point that she was making. And so what I went in there, and so I was like, well, Okay, here's my question. And I made my question the exact same length as the whole argument. So it was kind of the same exact size. Um, it was pretty lengthy. And I put three different questions in there. The first one was sarcastic, kind of like throw it in their face. And the other two were kind of to get her to think about it and see if she could find a response for it. And basically what I did is I took what happened in the um, – it's almost like you could say it was like a welfare kind of reformer add-on to it, but it's what Obama did um, in, I think it was 2009 with the, uh, what what act was it? Was it? Oh, Affordable Care it was Act. An act. I forgot what it was called. Uh, what did it do? No, it was like an R uh, It was where they, oh. it was like stimulus money that they gave to, people on oh, welfare recovery and, and something recovery act. I know what you mean. Recovery yeah. act. Recovery yep. act. Yeah. Recovery act. And, okay. and they give them food and, and all these different things. And so it happened before that the government took the in sense of government having money and transporting it to these communities. And one of the things is the lowest amount of money that they gave was to the community action. Uh, uh, what is it called? Community action programs or uh, community activists. Yeah, yeah. Lowest... We talked about this last week. I'm going to yeah. have to hold you up just a little bit because we, we, we've already passed the hour. And Brianna, who thought that 30 minutes would be too much for her to do, is now you know, into her third hour <laughs> today. <Yeah>. So uh, <laughs> we, we, you're doing better all the time, though. This is great. Um, let's get Josie Pianchi, and then I want to go to Juliet. We're going to kind of switch around a little bit here, too. Uh, I haven't even taken a break yet. This, this is how fun this morning is. Well, but I, but I want to let uh, Brianna go because, you know, she's a younger person and you don't hear this from a lot of younger folks. She yeah. is, you know, far beyond her years in terms of, of insights and everything else. That's why I want to let her go a little bit longer. Josie, then Pianchi. Josie, go ahead. My opinion is that George Floyd was all well organized and he's still alive. And you guys have a blessed day because I have to <laughs> earn my limit. Yeah, I don't believe it, but that's okay. <laughs> we we do disagree on it's stuff. Okay. And that's free to do, yeah. Um, Pianchi, what's your take? Well, I, I sent you that article about how racism is taught in public high schools uh, by Kaylee Fontanella in California. Yeah, let me go back and How racism that. is taught in California's high schools. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
you know, you, the Supreme Court is getting ready to hear a case on affirmative action as a result around schools like uh, Harvard and Yale. Mm-hmm. And the system that they use is uh, they would give uh, on the college entrance exam, like the SAT, mm-hmm. they would give black students a 310-point uh, Hispanic, I think, 270. They would get a white zero, and they would deduct 180 test points from an Asian, even before they sit down and take the test. No, that sounds like systemic racism to me. <laughs> you know, right there with affirmative action and all the other racist programs that the government institutes while they complain about other systemic racism that doesn't exist. Yeah, this is fascinating. Um, you talk about the, like, then the you had, and, uh, you know, yeah. I'll get Brianna's take on that real quick. Then then you had, Go ahead. Then you had uh, the students at Cornell University, a black student union, was complaining because the administration was admitting too many Africans. Well, he was passing the test. He was coming up with a, score, a higher score. So it wasn't American blacks. These were African folks. And so there, what, there are too many, too many of the wrong black people in the school? Is that what, is that what they were complaining about? <laughs> well, see, that was a complaint years ago right. about uh, getting more blacks into the uh, colleges. Mm-hmm. Then the sub-question in the article was, which blacks? Oh yeah, that's fascinating. And, that's yeah. racism. That's that's fascinating racism. Brianna, let me get your take then and bring on Juliet. Brianna, what do you think of all that systemic racism of uh, of schools and uh, and all the things that they don't or affirmative action for that matter? You know, what what do you think? Yeah, one of the things I heard, I think it was in one of the states that started with an M up north, I think, where they were, they were talking about doing something to where white people. This was, I think, maybe a year or two ago. It was quite a while ago. Um, where they would say that white people cannot get an A, like they will not receive an A, but the <laughs> black kids would receive an A just by deep, and they're basing oh. the grades that they got based on their skin color. And I don't know if this is something that they actually implemented, something that they just wanted to do. I don't really know any context of it. I just know like something that was brought up there. Um, if you so, want to research it for next week, I mean, that, just that a, would be fascinating. Yeah. That would be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, and also... Uh, Last comment. You would, uh, yeah. Also, they they supposed to take in uh, your your experiences. Like uh, blacks get more points, uh, get points for well, just being black. Really, the neighborhood you grew up in, uh, your parents. Of course, you know your parents' income, but your parents' history. So it's some ridiculous stuff. Well, can I get immigrant points to counter my white points? You know, my white deductions. Can I get points for being an off-the-boat immigrant? Juliet, let's get Juliet uh, Ramos on the show here. She's, uh, you know, a movie star, a podcaster, uh, a reporter once uh, she has time, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And and, and will be, you know, a, a citizen legislator here writing some bills. So uh, we've got uh, Brianna Cannon on the line. We've got uh, Pianchi. Uh, Brianna's a reporter who does government inquiry, which started a couple hours ago. <laughs> He's uh, on every day who's just a fabulous caller. And Juliet, you've been on, I think, once or twice. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, Juliet, welcome back to the show. Hello, Juliet. I'm at your phone. You're live. But oh, she's probably taking another call. She's so busy. I'm Hi, freezing good you. Morning. Good yeah, morning. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> uh, can back. you hear me? 
Yeah, we can now. Yeah, that's yeah, good. So oh, you have a take on what we've been talking about so far? We've got a really intense discussion. That's why I let it go a little bit longer. So my, my apologies to you, but I thought yeah, it was uh, pretty valuable. Know, yeah. Um, uh, see, this is something that I normally don't um, talk about just because it's very controversial. And um, That's all we know, talk about. Has, <laughs> if it's not controversial, it's no, it's no fun. Yeah, so that's a that's a, so welcome everybody to the ultimate free speech zone. Everybody has their own opinions, uh-huh. and you know, not everybody's heart beats at the same rhythm. I get it, but you know what? At the end of the day, um, we're all made imperfectly, and we're made and designed exactly the way that we're supposed to be made. Whether that is, you know, African American or Asian or Hispanic or um, yellow, purple, uh, orange, tangerine, orange. Yeah, but none of that stuff. I mean, but none of that stuff has any meaning on the show. It's just, you know, this is. Uh, I know, you know, like I say, you need to it here. But you look at the look at the four of us here. You got you got Pianchi, me, Brianna, and you. You know, we're all uh, really different people. You know, younger, older, white, black. You know, Hispanic. You know, everything. Um, it doesn't matter. That's None of that stuff matters. We prove every day that it doesn't matter. It's who you are. Right. It's what you bring to the table. It's what you want to talk about. And controversy, just like I say, you don't have to issue disclaimers. I'm trying to get Dorothy to do that. She's a, a, a newer reporter also. You don't need the disclaimers on this show. Just say what you're going to say. Be controversial. You know, like I say, I, I've, well, uh, well, I should probably play it again. Be you know, careful, be careful with that but, because you know me. I'm unchained. <laughs> Listen, I'm the guy that played you know the, the January the, White Sale, you know, talking about Black Lives Matter selling white people. You know, I mean, it doesn't get much more controversial than that. Uh, Jackie, okay, should I play so that one I again? Do. What do you think? That's how things got the way it is. What yeah. she just got, the, 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 center, the position that she's taken. Okay. See, whites have been paralyzed. If you say racism, you can have a 100-yard dash with whites and blacks and everybody else. You stand out in front of the people and holler, racism! The white mm-hmm. runners would stop oh, no. dead in their tracks. <laughs> you know, to right. tell you the truth, well, to tell you the truth, second. I mean, oh, okay, okay, Hold on yeah. to it. Hold on to it. Just for a second. That's why, see, it's that type of tactics that have allowed these things to progress forward because whites stop. Like you got the, the, the one case where you got whites kissing the the shoes, the church where the whites are kissing the shoes, the blacks are asking for forgiveness and all that oh kind of God. stuff. Well, when oh. that's happened, it's just like getting on the train. The Jews that seen all their friends being taken away, and sooner or later they came for them and took them away. That's exactly what's going on. I have to go Brilliant. now, oh. um, but okay, I enjoyed talking to all of you. So um, was so thanks, everybody. Sure. Bye. Bye. Well, Bye. Check the podcast. I'll probably play my uh, my January white sale piece, uh, so we'll have to get to that later. But yeah. Well, Julia, I never asked you this question because I never thought about it. Uh, do you think of yourself as Hispanic, white, somewhere between, or, or none of the above, or does it matter, or do you do you do you have a classification? Um, I, to me, it really doesn't matter. And um, but to answer your question, I'm a mutt. I'm Mexican, Puerto Rican, Italian, French, and Spanish. And it's funny because my first language was um, Spanish. But when my dad moved out, um, there was nobody there to teach me Spanish anymore. So I just lost it. Mm. Um, And with that said, (laughs) (laughs) 
my my I think I was going through such a, a traumatic part of my life um, when I was a child that now when people speak Spanish to me, I my brain completely checks out. Like hmm. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. just the opposite. Yeah. I was in uh, I was in France with my daughter several years ago when she was younger, and we went to France and England. And I learned French in junior high and a little bit in high school, and actually exempted out of it for college. But I'd forgotten it because I never used it. But as soon as I got to to France, all of a sudden I'm thinking in French again, and I was able to uh, you know get a cab and get uh, get to our hotel and, uh, and and get around with with the little bit of French that came back to me. I would I, if I was six months in France, I'd be fluent. You know, I don't think there's any question in my mind that uh, I could pick it up. And same thing with Spanish. If I could live in a Spanish country and all I spoke was Spanish, you know, I'm sure I'd pick that up pretty quickly, too. But the harder languages, like Swedish, I would never learn or, 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 you know, Dutch, no. uh, German, no. I just, you know, you know, Polish, no. Ain't going to (laughs) happen. But French and Spanish, yeah, I could probably pick those up. So let's get to your topic, um, unless you want to comment further on this. But uh, we want to, as a new bill writer, we have some things to explore. Yeah, no, well, yeah, um, well, it's up to you. It's your show. What are we doing here? Oh, Did you see, want wow. me to um, comment more on that? Or? Well, you know, well, yeah, see, see, this is, this is. I mean, this is, I, I'm the host, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, I like to have a lot of freedom. This is why I always ask people's opinions and things. So I'll tell you what. If uh, anything that you listen to, did you, I don't know if you had a chance to listen before we all got here, um, but anything you want to comment on. And then I think everybody should pull up, and this, this goes for folks listening too, pull up our website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, write your laws. And uh, once you get that, um, then I'll, I'll tell people how to go, and I'll show you exactly how to write a bill, and we can explore some ideas. How's that sound? Beautiful. Now, do you mind if I record our show for my podcast, sure. so um, no problem. We could uh, yeah, cross promote. Just Give just me announce me here. Oh, of are we going to record course. it right now? Oh, this is great. We're simulcasting. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let so I'll let you introduce you, and then you can introduce me once you're live, and then we'll. Uh... Yeah, you want to be on the show too? You want to be on uh, Juliet's show on her podcast? Broken Girl Unchained. Yeah, I'm, she swears I'm places a lot. I don't know about already. <laughs> well, uh, I told you we have like 15 podcasts out there. I don't know who's listening to us. I, I see, you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a search. You know, action radio podcasts, <clears throat> and all these different sites show up. It's great. So someone's, you know, carrying us. So I got, I got to get a social media person and a podcast person to go explore each one of them, and uh, <laughs> set up some, set up some revenue here. You know, once we get a little bigger. But yeah. Yeah, so well, it's, I can uh, help yeah. you with that, and you're going to be oh, a movie you. star as well. Do you want to tell people about that? Because I can't talk about it myself. <laughs> I'm shy. Well, you're shy. Give me a break. Well, this is my therapy. Um, Didn't okay. I tell you? This actually radio is my therapy. It, it, it's, it's getting I, me out of my shell. Yep. Oh, good. I know. Well, that's um, that was actually my um, my therapy as well. As I told you the last time when I first started Broken Girl Unchained, I started as a blog and then it blew up and I never thought in a thousand million years that it mm-hmm. would be, you know, yeah. my podcast. See, I always thought mine would and it hasn't. <laughs> Just the opposite. I think we've got the most original show on the planet and yet we're not huge yet. What's going on? We'll get there. And, yeah. What, what, and you know what? I'm here to help. Oh, thank you. So I just appreciate give it. Give me two seconds. 
Well, um, let me play something because we haven't taken a break yet. So I've got to play a couple things. Okay. And then, and then we'll be right back. So just uh, I'm going to mute both your lines here, give you a chance to make noise, do whatever you want to do. And uh, this would be a good time to do that. We're, we're all over the place. This is why I love this show because you never know quite uh, where we're going to go or where we're going to end up. So let me just play this and away we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. All right, Action Radio is heard at blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Let's bring back our college Pianchi and our special guest, Juliet, who's also simultaneously hosting her show while she's on my show. And I'm going to let Juliet explain all that because I'm confused. I think it's a great idea, though. Juliet, welcome back. Pianchi, welcome back. Thank Juliet, you. what's going on? Thank you. Yeah. Oh what do you got? God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you all set? So, um, I just need to throw in a hat because I just woke up and I had to throw in some concealer and I just need to look presentable because this is audio, uh, video and audio. So give me one second. Okay, we'll wait. <clears throat> Makeup. 
<laughs> Where's the person that comes in with the big, you know, fluffy pullaway thing? Yeah. See, this is the nice thing about radio. You know, I can be here in my sweats and you know, t-shirt, and uh, nobody cares. It's great. I love okay. radio. Yeah. You ready? No. Doing makeup. Should I say action? Do you have those little clicky clipboard things? Do you need more time? Should Bianca and I talk okay, for a bit? Now I'm beautified. Okay, beautified. Can you hear me? Well, oh, you're always beautiful. Okay. So beautified is just like an, another Hello? You know, level above. Okay. I'm here. Hello? Bianca, are you here? We're here. Oh, I think Julia cut herself off from us. <laughs> oh, Bianca, I you... lost you there. Hold on one second. Bianca, are you back? <laughs> Yeah, I'm here. I was just uh, giving you that article about the uh, black students at Cornell University. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I get a lot of articles. And the problem is that uh, it's it's hard to... uh, you know, get yeah, it's hard to get so, to once them. you point it out to me, that's different. Then I'll go right to your article, and I'll pre- I appreciate that. Thank you. That makes sense. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear us? Juliet, do I going twice? There may be a problem with uh, simulcasting. I got you. Okay. I got you. Okay. I got you. Okay, we're, we're, you're live on both shows now? I. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing technical difficulties here while Juliet Ramos tries to coordinate her amazing podcast with Action Radio. So in the interest of this, I will now play something else that will occupy us for a few seconds here. Let's get a news theme. Let's see what I've got going on here. How can I play this real quick? Ready? Wait a minute. And now, the news from Juliet and Greg. And now let's bring on Julia Ramos and Greg Penglos. Julia, take it away. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Julia, <laughs> and you're listening and watching to Broken Girl Unchained podcast. And today I have an amazing guest. His name is Greg, and he's with Action Radio. And he, um, he writes bills and pushes them through to legislators. So, um, Greg, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, first of all, thank you. This is the first time I've ever been doing my show and been a guest on somebody else's show at the same time. Uh, we also have Pianchi, who's on here, too. And so this is our regular show that we do here weekdays. So what I've created, it's called uh, the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. So the show, we investigate, we talk about the issues, we, we do a lot of things that a, a regular talk show would do, but then we take it one step further. What makes Action Radio unique is that we have a citizen legislature. So it's at uh, writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And so what we're able to do is provide um, a website and a format for anybody, and I do mean anybody, to write a bill, to write a, a law that they want uh, enacted. And so what happens is you send it in at writeyourlaws.com, and I'll take a look. And if it looks, well, that looks interesting, as long as it meets the basic criteria, it has to bring about more freedom, has to bring about freedom for everybody. It cannot be a special interest thing, and it can't be too long for legalese, things like that. If that looks good, I will post it to Citizen Bill Ideas, and I'll ask you on the show. We'll talk about your bill. We'll go through a workshop. The callers will help. We'll make it better. 
And from there, once the bill is ready to, to be presented to either Congress or the state legislatures, city council, county commission, or school board, it then goes to all proposed laws. And once it's in there, anybody can copy the bill link, send it in. Hopefully millions of people will send your bill in and millions of uh, you know, folks will share it. And then the newscasts and the pollsters and then the members of whichever legislature we go to will take it up and hopefully uh, get in the committee hearing and then we advocate its passage. That's how it works. And it's all – so you go to writeyourlaws.com and then the homepage will introduce you to all this. The next thing on the menu bar is legislation. And legislation is where you find uh, proposed new law. That's where you write one. Citizen bill ideas, where we work on them, and then all proposed laws, where we submit them to the legislature. And that's it. That's how it works. You are a genius. I just have to say that. <laughs> well, thank you. Do you know why? Because, why? like, I've always, I've always wanted to um, write a letter to to Congress, legislators, mm-hmm. and basically complain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's because. You know, listen, this is what I always tell my listeners. Let me just go ahead and turn my um, my audio down. Okay, so this is what I tell my listeners. It's mm-hmm. we, the people, are the only ones that can cause change, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, if you don't like – okay, say you don't like a gun law and um, you're complaining about it, you know, you're talking about it with your friends and you're saying this needs to change, blah, blah, blah. How come you're not doing anything about it? Because at the end of the day, it's, it's us, the people, right? So um, I'll tell you I why. Really... I'll tell you why the people don't do anything because they've raised complaining to an art form. You know, Republicans yeah. and conservatives are famous for this. You look at talk shows. What are talk shows? Talk shows are a place where you can raise complaining to an art form, an art form and do nothing about it. Well, that wasn't good enough. Right. You know, so uh, so right. we created a forum here where you can do something about it. And here's what's interesting. You mentioned something really significant when you said you write a letter to Congress. You're writing that letter as an individual. Well, how much does an individual right. have you know, in power when you've got lobbyists, corporations, special interest groups, the government itself, you know, all working, the deep state, all working against you. You're just one person. So how do you gain more power? Well, you present an idea here, it becomes a bill, and then millions of people can express exactly the same thing, not only to complain about an issue, but to offer the solution. And you can say to Congress, here's the solution that we want. This is what we, the people, consent to. And the biggest issue well, is something that uh, – right, go ahead. What, what are you thinking so far? I'll give you another one. No, I think that you're, you're brilliant. I mean, well, it's kind of common sense, you know, being that we, we live in this beautiful nation mm-hmm. of ours. Um, right. it, 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 people just don't seem I, – I, I, to be honest, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know why people aren't being proactive because our nation is at its worst right now, and mm-hmm. we need um, a lot of change, and we need people to start using their voice. You know, that is so super, super important. I can't emphasize that enough. So okay. what you've come up with. What are they going to say? What yeah, that's the question is what are you, they can use their voice. What, what you're getting to, and I, don't, oh, I should interrupt, I'm sorry. Um, but you're talking about taking the country back because people say, we're going to take the country back. And they say, okay, how? I don't know. <laughs> you know. I'm so, so go ahead. Now, I want to know. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you exactly. 
No, it's us um, pushing back. It's us using our voice. It's us saying, no, you're not going to take away our gun laws. No, you are not going to take away our kids. No, mm-hmm. you're not going to keep violating our constitution, our constitutional rights, because guess what? Our constitution was designed to protect us from the government. And now what? (laughs) And here's the big question. You know, and and the question I was going to ask you a minute ago, uh, I was rudely interrupting, which I tend to do way too much. Um, Consent. You know, we say that we give our consent to be governed. You know, Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence, said we give, you know, the just powers of government, not the powers of government, but the just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. So the question then becomes, how do we give our consent? So I'll ask you. How do we give our consent to be governed? Oh, are you making tea? I hear noise in the background. Hello, hello. Has she left us again? Pianki, this is a fascinating show. I, I've never done a show and been on a show at the same time. Pianki, you still there? I, I, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, you, you well, yeah I'm here. I like what? it when you ask her, what is it that needs to be done what is it that needs to be changed instead of you know the generics like our gun rights and so on it's deeper than that really okay you want to expand on that um i you know what to be honest with you i'm really and i'm sorry i don't mean to this is a light cuss word um, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, but I'm really pissed off that I have had that. my gun. I'm I, I'm pissed that I've had my gun rights taken away by um, my abusive ex, a well-documented abusive ex um, that filed a fraudulent uh, domestic violence restraining order just to keep jurisdiction in my case. As so is, that, well is this as, a red flag law? Because you know, I want to. If we can make it a little more general for people, then they can they can get an idea of what's well, going on. You're talking I, about I, a red yeah, flag law or what? There. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. And and that's where I was going. Where it was like, my God, I can't even protect myself, even if I wanted to. I mm-hmm. don't even own any guns. I never have, especially not a pink gun. Um, that he put in the order that I'm threatening my kids with a pink gun. I'm like. I had to Google. Oh, is that what women what are supposed nine... to own? <laughs> is, is that identified no. as a woman's gun? <laughs> yes, women own the pink well, guns. The I guys own the black I'll guns. Okay, her. fine. Yeah, that's just, that's just funny. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about it because, I, okay, call me stupid. Call me whatever you want. No, no, no. But no. I, had, I had to Google what a 9mm was. Take, take some gun classes. I need you to talk to. I need you to find your local DC projects. Uh, we have Shirley Watchell, who's the uh, the Florida chair of, of DC projects. She does the DC Project Women and Guns Report. She's a female file, firearms instructor. Uh, she she started off. Uh, the, what set her on this course was a uh, was a domestic uh, violent uh, relationship, and I don't mind saying that because she wrote a book about it. So I'm not I'm not uh, you know betraying any confidences here, but. Um, She's a person to talk to. She's on Fridays. Uh, but we need to get you on a gun course. <laughs> we need to get you uh, armed. And, uh, yeah. and I don't know, but, you know, but this restraining order is bogus. Red flag laws are unconstitutional because it comes under what's called prior restraint. Have you ever heard that term before? Uh-uh. Educate okay. me. 
All right, so prior restraint, and this is, well, this is a lot of people need to understand this term. Prior restraint is whenever the government restrains you for something they think you might do in the future, maybe, that might be illegal. Does that make sense? So in other words, you're, it's, it's like uh, the minority report. You're being pre-convicted. You're, the government has already determined that you might be guilty of something that you might do in the future, maybe. Now, is that a basis of rights in, in, a, in a free society? Right. Wow. No, okay. it's not. Exactly. You know. So, no, no, so now, no, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm. I mean, you're thinking. I know. I did, but I just want to make it clear. But that's, but that's the thing. So in a free society, can you have prior restraint? Can you be restricted for something that you haven't done yet, and right. be punished for it? See, that's what they're doing. That's what yeah. flag law does. It punishes you for something that someone else thinks you might do illegally. Maybe that cannot exist in a free society. That cannot be allowed to stand. You cannot be convicted for something well, you haven't done. Right. Well, and I mean, can you please give me an evidentiary hearing so I could put this guy on the stand and school him? <laughs> well, here's the question. And, this, you is, know, this, is, uh, this is beyond that because the, the, here's what the courts are going to say. They're going to say that, well, this was duly passed by the California legislature. You know, we, we're all over the country today. Brianna's in Oklahoma. Pianchi's in Missouri or who knows where. Uh, uh, Josie's right here with, with me in, in Santa Rosa County, Florida. And uh, Juliet's out in the West Coast. So we're all over the place on this show. But in California, you know, the judges, I'll tell you what the judge is going to say. They're going to say that um, this was duly passed by, by, you know, the California legislature, the California Supreme Court, you know, hasn't taken it up or they said this is perfectly fine. And, of course, that's all BS because they're all what they're doing is illegal under the Constitution. But they do it anyway. You look at any gun control law, gun control by itself, you know, is, is all unconstitutional because it restrains you from something that they think you might do in the future, maybe that might be illegal. That's unconstitutional. You can't have prior restraint. So gun control is I just don't. Go ahead. I just don't know how these people are getting away with it. Well, that's, let me, I mean, let's put this to Pianchi because this is, this, is a, this is a question for us to talk about. How are these people getting away with things that are so blatantly unconstitutional? Pianchi, you want to weigh on this one? Because they have conditioned people over the decades, really. And they continue to condition people. How he gets away away with it is because you've got a judge, then you've got jury. I don't know if you had a jury trial. You've got jury. It's just the same way when people think, oh, it's just okay to give an African-American student on the college entrance exam a 310-point advantage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in in my opinion, I think these people got way too comfortable violating our, our rights, you know, and us, the people, we don't know. I mean, we, we should know our, our rights, our civil rights, our constitutional rights. And unfortunately, um, I don't know if it's um, just lack of education or, you know, and I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm, I got stuck in trauma where I, I was just like, uh, okay. But now I walk in there and I'm asserting my rights and I'm, school, I'm schooling them left and right. And next thing, next thing you know, they're, um, they get pissed off and walk off to the bench. <laughs> okay, so let me let me get this straight. So you're in a hearing to to get rid of your your red flag law restriction, right? And mm-hmm. the judge doesn't know the law apparently. 
Uh, they obviously now where's you know can you make a constitutional challenge? Do you have an attorney? You know how are you fighting this? Um, I'm my own attorney um, because I've been burned so bad by um, my prior attorneys um, working in concert with um, my ex's counsel and um, the judge and having ex parte communications and basically throwing me under the bus. I decided to go pro per and um, I'm learning as much as I can to defend myself. And I'm, I think I'm doing a damn good job. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, you know, like like you guys said, the judge doesn't know the law. Like I'm spitting out case law, and he's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Are you are, are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> this is case law from the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. Well, now here's the question though: um, Are you because if you wanted to try and change the red flag laws in California, that's a long process. You know, your immediate situation is your legal case. Uh, is there a legal defense fund or, you know, the ACLU used to do things like that? Uh, the, the NRA, any of the gun groups, uh, the California Rifle and Pistol Association, uh, they have lawyers. We have Florida Carry out here, which has lawyers. Uh, and, and I think they take individual cases, but I'm not sure. But uh, contact California Rifle and Pistol because, you know, they're against red flag laws. You've got some really good gun groups in California, despite the fact that uh, the, the left coast, the coast itself, is full of you know liberal Marxists, but most of California, the Central Valley and the and the the foothills and the Sierras are full of conservatives. They just are outnumbered by the liberals along the beachfront property. But you've got some good options there to maybe can because you can't fight this alone. You can represent yourself uh, if all the attorneys are idiots. But um, but there there are groups that should be able to work with you. And this is something you know draw draw on the power, draw on the reserves. You know get the folks in there. That, that can't stand red flag laws and will say to the judge, this is on this, this or, or maybe not even red flag laws, but on your personal, uh, it looks like a restraining order saying you can't own a gun or something like that. Fight that, you know, you need a gun lawyer that can come in and, and fight for it. Or maybe someone, if you're close enough to Arizona or New Mexico, those are better states, especially Arizona. You know, the real free state. I'm getting maybe ready a, a, to move there. <laughs> well, I would do that, but, but I'm just saying to, well, let me say, I'll just say something really interesting. When I moved from, from California to uh, to here, I'm in Milton, Florida, you know, on the Blackwater River, you know, near Pensacola, home of the Blue Angels. Okay, this is where I ended up from the Bay Area because I got a job here. And so I was going to go anywhere for my first radio talk show. So I come here. I kind of wanted to come here anyway. Um, but the thing was, when I left California uh, and I, I spent my first night uh, across the border, I forgot where it was, but it was a little town in Arizona. Uh, and so, so I was in San Bernardino. It was my, my last California stop. And then I ended up in this little town in, in Arizona. And, and I get up and go to breakfast. You know, local, I don't know what it was. You know, we have Waffle House out here. But local, local uh, whatever chain, you know, in Arizona. And I sat down. I wasn't there five minutes when four guys walked in openly carrying 45s cocked and locked. I'm like, oh. Oh. I'm like, I'm back in America. This is great, you know. So you, this is the contrast in different areas of the countries. So here, if they'd done that in the Bay Area, the SWAT teams would have been out. You know, they'd all be in jail oh, yeah. for openly, sure. openly carrying a firearm. I mean, cocked and locked, for those that don't know, that's where you see a, a 45, which is a single action. In other words, the trigger just drops the hammer. They actually lock the hammer back with the safety. It's not a situation that I would do. I don't trust it unless there was a war, you know, with looters or, or some kind of thing like that. But uh, a lot of people will carry the gun that way. And if you uh, drop the safety and then uh, touch the trigger, it's going to fire. It's a very, it's a, if you're in a high stress, high, you know, risk situation, it's a good way to do it. Anyway, the point being, these four guys walked in openly carrying firearms and, and the waitress is like, hey guys, how you doing today? Oh, fine. Okay. Coming in for the usual. 
<laughs> so like Brandon was talking about the guys meeting for you know their 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 chat their their coffee chat in the same way it was the most casual most natural thing in the world. So there's a difference. There's an America and there's an America. There's an America of the Bay Area where they all freak out. See four guys walking in with openly carrying firearms. And in Arizona, it's like you know breakfast. That's the difference. So you want to get be in a place where that's normal. But if you're not in a place normal. You're in California. And so the question is, now what do you do to get rid of whatever restrictions are on you in court with a judge that obviously doesn't know the law? I mean, any judge, this is where we talk about jury nullification. So this is a perfect case for that. You don't have a jury, though, right? This is just a judge doing this? Well, see, this is the thing. I have a plan. Um, and um, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it because that's not what the show is about. But mm-hmm. I'm going to sue him in civil court, and I'm going Who, him? to the sue judge? him. Oh, the judge okay. and my ex and the attorneys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, hey. And, and I'm going to sue them in civil court, and I'm going um, to summon them in their personal capacity because the judge and the, um, yeah, the judge is, is operating out of their judicial canons. So, and he's making malicious rulings. I mean, he restrained me from my children until 2023, you know, based on no facts and, I mean, nothing. I, and all I did was assert my rights. And he got so pissed off that he restrained me until 2023 and then um, walked off the bench. And that's when I knew I, I did something right. Because I, I do a lot of court watching, and um, I'm in a movement um, with a group of mothers um, across the nation, actually all over the world. And um, Can you tell us a bit about is, that? Um, that sounds interesting. Or are uh, you guys underground for now? Can you talk about that? Uh, well, I, I'm not personally um, joined. And no names or anything, but uh, does the group have a name? Uh, well, yeah. What, well, what's it called? It's, family, it's Me Too Family Court. And okay. um, and it's uh, it's mothers just like me that have lost custody to um, our abusers, and um, we have found that once we have reported um, abuse or sexual abuse, our children were automatically taken away. Now, in my case, my case is very very unique, um, and let me tell you why, real quick, um, because. Um, when uh, I put my ex-husband in jail for um, assaulting me, um, I got a restraining order. And um, during that restraining order, he must have filed for dissolution of marriage. And um, he never summonsed me. And um, according to uh, the court docket, which is the court record, um, he switched, he said he summons me through the mail. However, when I was um, looking uh, through the paperwork um, that I got from the court, uh, he swapped the last two digits of my address. So there's no possible way I could have gotten the mail, right? Okay, so this, I, I want to, I've only got about... 14 minutes left here, so I want to kind of focus in, if we can, here, on, on how this would apply. But this is like really some... important. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, this is really important. So he went ahead and um, he entered a notice of default or request for default. And when I went into my domestic violence restraining order, 
that's all I kept hearing was default, default, default. And I'm like, what the heck is a default? So, you know, years go on into um, my, um, my custody battle. I find out I'm not even divorced and, and my, and the judge took my children away for over 600 days without having jurisdiction to do so. And that's what we're finding in, in this movement um, and with these uh, other uh, moms that um, these courts don't have jurisdiction. They can gain emergency jurisdiction, but they, get, they, can't, they don't have general jurisdiction. And ex parte orders are ex parte. They have an expiration date. So what they're ruling on is completely unlawful, and I think it's because to take away our gun rights. And, I mean, of course, to take away our kids because one child's removal is estimated $1.8 million or some, some crazy number like that, you know, and the, the state gets, it gets the funding. But, I, I mean, to tie this back into the gun laws, that's exactly why I think they're they're robbing us from protecting ourselves because they're slapping these um, fraudulent um, restraining orders on mothers like me. And all they have to do is just look in the DOJ to see if, you know, hey, did she ever register a gun? And women are very um, responsible, you know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, if anybody was to ever purchase a gun, I'm sure they would well, me, re- register the gun. Let me just jump in so, here for a bit because we've got, we've got several different issues at once, and uh, I want to uh, just kind of separate them a little bit. So the, the gun issue, you know, the reason that the government wants to separate you from your guns is the same reason they want to arm themselves with, with uh, thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of armed agents and, and millions of rounds of ammunition because they want all the power. And they want all the control. Right. And so that's very simple. Right. So, but on an individual level, it's different. So the family court wants to disarm everybody because they want the power and control too. They, you know, but uh, family court is designed to perpetuate uh, divorces as long as possible. And so they're, they're charging. But I don't understand that you don't own a gun. How can, they, how can they restrain you from having one? I don't get it. You don't have one. How did they come about? So, so this is all, this is something that's not making sense to me here. And so on a, on a mm-hmm. state level, you've got the red flag laws. We've talked about that. On the federal level, we've got national gun control. We've talked about that. Both of those are illegal. On the local level, you've got a corrupt judge. So we've got all these different levels yep. that, we're, that we're operating on right here, and I'm trying to make sense of them all because this is, this is a lot of stuff. And so if you, well, are you, which do you want to fight first? <laughs> so you've, you've got child custody, which was wrong. They, and this is very common for folks that know that our, our long history of doing family uh, law shows that uh, the, the judges award the parents, the, wor- the kids, the worst possible parent to cause the most trauma in both the, the good parent and the kids so they can perpetuate the case as long as possible and make the most money from Title IV, Social Security, stuff, things like that. That's why they do it. Or and the because funding the, from like foster, you know, the foster care the other funding yep. or domestic violence funding or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's just, they get so much funding when they remove a child, even if they remove a child from one parent to another parent, they still mm-hmm. get that funding. Yeah. So um, it's like COVID. I, I mean, don't you? you know, they make more from death. COVID yeah. makes more from death than it does from from saving people. If you want to save people, twenty dollars of hydroxychloroquine will usually take care of COVID. Whereas if you die, they get one hundred and thirty thousand dollars from the the PCR tests to the hospitalization through remdesivir uh-huh. to the ventilator through the coroner. 
So that's the yeah. difference. Twenty bucks versus one hundred thirty thousand. What do you think people are going to do? Well, they're going to kill you for one hundred thirty thousand rather than save you for twenty if they're in the government hospital system. Same thing with this. You know, if the if the people can make money keeping the divorce case going as long as possible by traumatizing your kids, keeping them from you, making you go crazy so that you look crazy to them, they can say, well, she's crazy. Well, anybody would be crazy under those circumstances of losing their kids, having restraining orders right. and everything else. So you got all this stuff going on, right? So I understand that. Uh, but for people listening, you know, especially in other countries trying to figure this out, they're going, oh, no. <laughs> you know, what's happening? Well, here's, here's the this thing. This it the happens thing. in other this countries, is... too. That's the problem. Anyway, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me just say this. This is happening at a rapid rate. I mean, numbers are tripling. Something's going on in the courts. I'm not too sure. I don't know if they're moving us in into Marshall's law. I don't know. But all I know is that the numbers are tripling. But um, the problem is, is that uh, these judges are, they've taken oaths. They take an oath to protect the Constitution, and um, they're breaking their oath of office. How can – I'm still trying to figure this out, and I think civil court where there is a jury, um, because I, I, I strongly believe that um, a family court should be handled um, in the hands of a jury you know, not by one individual that is biased or whatever. Um, But there's something bigger that's going on, way bigger. And I I, I don't know what it is, but I I think we'll be seeing it by 2004 or 24. Um, And I think they're moving for FEMA camps. That's just my opinion. You know, because they want all this control, and um, they're pulling women out of their homes. I mean, you seen you seen my video, you seen Carrie's video of the cops pulling us out of, of um, our homes, and w- warrantless. Um, and they can do that to anyone. Can you imagine? I mean, what is really going on here? Hmm. You know, so why are they, why are they trying? Yes. Yes, and that is, um, look, I'm not trying to save the world, but I am trying to make changes because this is a beautiful nation, and we are a nation under God, and whatever your higher power or the next person's higher power is, we are um, a nation under God, and we are operating off of the seven deadliest sins. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> greed, mm. gluttony, I'm, I'm just like, this couldn't, this is hell. This is torture to any parent, any protective parent. And this is torture to our children and they're, they're our next generation. So to me, I think people just need to step up, whether it's a law that you believe in. It doesn't have to be about family court. Step up, use your voice, contact Greg so you can create a bill that will be effective and it will save lives, it will save your freedom, it will save your family, it will, you know, make some significant changes because these people need to be federally indicted. I'm just saying because my case is not just child custody. My case is kidnapping under the color of law. 
And not only that, there's a lot for that already. You've got you've got two laws that you want to look at. Okay, I think we've talked about these before. Title 18, okay, Section 241 and Section 242. Section 241 is a conspiracy against rights. So any two or more people who conspire to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, that's a felony. That's punishable by, I think, 10 years in prison and $10,000 fine. Fine seems kind of light, actually. The no, second one, 244. Hold on. Is, All right, go ahead. Okay. No, this ahead. is the issue. It's your like, show. Nobody will prosecute these people. Well, that's, ah, aha. So then you get to the, what the old thing is. It takes, you know, Ben Franklin says that it, it takes, a, you know, a good and just people to, to, you know, maintain freedom. So you have to have good people in government who are willing to enforce the laws, and you have to have good citizens who are willing to make the government enforce the laws. Okay, we don't have either right now, or not enough of. Okay. So yeah. that's the question. So then, so then it becomes, you know, so, so, uh, Oh, I lost where I was going to go with this, but you've got you've got this 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 huge case. So it comes again. You know, where do you go? Do you, one thing. Well, okay, let me just backtrack a little bit here. One thing you might want to look into, because you've got a case on a personal level and on the on, on a state level and a federal level, is if you want to write legislation. You know, and people can do that. You go to writeyourlaws.com, propose the bill, uh, and then it'll, it has your email, which will be confidential, and I can get back to folks and we can get them on the show. Um, I'm getting a little background noise. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on, but you making coffee? Oh, <laughs> is it breakfast time? Yeah. Oh no, I was gonna hook up my my little um, drive so I have more storage, but I'm sorry. Oh, okay. oh that's fine. No, no, <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm mind. I'm in the just, principal's office I just, right I just now. Like to, you know, I just like to explain our, our our background noises. Anyway, so what you can do? So there's a few things going on. You might want to do a parental bill of rights. There's something you could work on in family court. You could do um, what the courts are doing basically is, is running a racket between foster care, between fraudulent government funding, between maintaining uh, divorces as long as possible. That's racketeering. So they are, they're engaged in the business of you know, family law uh, exploitation of people for the benefit of money and power. Right. Okay, so that's, that's the definition of corruption right there. So that would come with RICO, which is the racketeering and corruption something, or whatever it stands for. So there you go. Well, so that's, so those are the places you can go well, with this. You know, you got to solve the personal, well, and then, goal, you, then you the bigger one. Yeah, go ahead. My goal is to get these people, and I will not stop. I will die trying. These people need to be federally indicted. And, I, I mean, you'll never guess what I did yesterday. Greg, and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm okay. going to say it. Uh-oh. Okay. It All right. Yes. Okay. So Don't get me in trouble. Halloween, no, I won't. Halloween is a huge, like, my kids and I, we always, um, we, I, I, I love Alice in Wonderland, and we always dress up as Alice in Wonderland. We ride our bikes, um, mm-hmm. go trick-or-treating. Our bikes are all lit up. Um, with lights and stuff like that. It's always a big, you know, um, we have fun with it. We eat chili beans, and we always have fun. Anyway, so... Oh, California Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I love Halloween. It's, okay. yeah, anyways. So um, this is my second year that I've had to go without my children. Oh, so um, I decided to make the best out of it, and I made a sign, and... Um, I hung it at the corner of my, of the judge's home. (laughs) Oh, 
Well, don't get yourself uh, a harassment charge. Hey, you know, okay. Okay. You know what? So, Let's be honest here. Let's uh, be honest here. If I am they being honest. Arrest me, <laughs> no, no, no. I know. If they want to arrest me or they want to talk to me, let's mm-hmm. talk about this. Let's really talk about this. You want to talk about crime? Because, you know, this is a kidnapping. I am dying to talk about this. You know, Why don't you I make videos? Make Why don't you make a, like a, a documentary video? I do. Of this? Okay. Actually, well, then... um, I am in negoci- negotiation with, um, with an investor, and mm-hmm. he's definitely interested in, um, in funding my documentary. Um, the director is Zach Jackson. He's an, an amazing director. He's directed mm-hmm. many, many documentaries. Um, and uh, this is definitely in the works, but you're right. I, I, I did it to make some noise, not to harass, not to, I didn't intimidate. I called him for what he is. He's a child trafficker and he is an abuser, plain out and simple. But this so might be a way to protect yourself, too, because they, they know who made the sign. But if you have something out there, you might want to generate public support. See, people forget that one of the, this is why the district attorneys and why the, uh, the defense attorneys, they, 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 they try their cars, you know, they, they call it the court of public opinion. So in other words, if you can get on the, like we were talking about earlier with George Floyd. So what uh, Brianna, who is a high school student, was talking about when she analyzed the George Floyd case. She's which, brilliant. She is brilliant. Yeah, that's why she's on the show. Yeah, I, I love having Brianna on. Uh, in fact, I always encourage younger people to, if you want to come on Action Radio, just let me know. You know, because I, I want to. I want my know, daughter on. <laughs> well, well, that's fine, too. But I want to promote younger folks. That would be awesome. Just because they're going to be around and uh, someone's going to have to take this over one day. <laughs> yeah, but right. um, it is going to be someone who's younger than me. I'll tell you right now. So this is a good thing. But anyway, but what she's talking about with George Floyd, she had all this evidence of, of uh, really good stuff that could have been used by the defense. And we never heard anything about it. OK, so the, the, the cop, I've forgotten his name, was basically judge guilty that day. And there was such public pressure that I don't think the defense even tried to mount something. I mean, if the jury was already you know, convinced, I don't know how you find an impartial jury. Uh, to actually listen to all the evidence. But the point is, that was the court of public opinion. That case was tried in public. It was, it was you know, OJ is the same thing. That case was tried in public. And that's not where it's supposed to be. This is why cameras should never be in the courtrooms. I don't believe in that. You know, and if you what? want to make a documentary and show it afterwards, no. Well, not media cameras. No, because if you're showing, if you're, if you're playing to the camera, if the judge is playing, look at Ito in the, in the OJ Simpson case. The, he was playing to the camera. That whole thing was a media circus. Now, I don't. I didn't say cases shouldn't be recorded on video. They should be, because those little stenographers, stenographers with that stupid little you know ten key machine that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever seen those work? Those those stenographer machines. Yeah, you know I have. Yeah, they're crazy. They have like a couple of letters and they have codes and they, I don't know who figured it out. It's a brilliant system, but it was brilliant. You know, in the 1800s. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't have those. We shouldn't be relying on those today or the other i've seen a case where they have these uh the, the, these rubber masks that people wear over the faces and they basically restate what the person's already stated well why would you do that any you, you get a chance of misinterpretation no record the case but don't show it until after the case is over you know that's the way to do it or do it you know uh, or find a way to protect okay I, actually i'm i'm we're now in overtime for me i don't know how much time you have you probably have more okay. time in your podcast but uh, i'm gonna have to go here in a minute um okay do you want to bring no, tracky back in see point. if he's got an opinion yeah yeah 
Yeah, 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 please do. Just Pianki, please. you want to make a final call? I'm going to have to leave here in just a bit. Oh, he's thinking. No, I don't have anything else to say. I'll okay. catch you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Pianki. Um, Julie, do you have questions for me? So let me see if I can uh, you know, have this know. up. I know. I just – I. I appreciate your um, your thoughts and your um, your hard work, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with you further. Do we have time to actually um, continue to announce your your training with me? Sure, talk about anything you want. Yep, it's fair game. Okay. You know, and so, okay. so we got we got we got a few more. We do have some time. I mean, there is some overtime time, but. Uh, you know, I, I try not to abuse it too much. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, feel free. It'll be interesting. <laughs> no, uh, and I'll let you tell the story because you know how much you can tell about our story. So feel free. Yes. Oh, okay. So, again, I, I'm going to go ahead and just introduce myself just because, you know, this is going to be another segment of my show. Um, mm-hmm. My name is Juliet, and I'm with Broken Girl Unchained. And um, I'm going to be playing the lobbyist in a double feature film titled The Falcon. And um, and uh, I'm not obliged to really say who is directing it, but I can actually say that we are in nego- negotiation with M. Night Shyamalan um, uh, that is taking a look at the project and um, it's basically a film. It's a patriotic film. It is, it's an imagined, it's, a, it's an imaginary tale. That's how we have to label it um, about the government. And um, uh, I played the lobbyist that is uncovering the corruption and these little uh, secrets to a spy. So, um, and Greg here is going to be training me, and he's also going to be um, casted in the film um, and doing a little cameo, um, you know, as a as a little uh, token of our appreciation for his time and um, really helping us with this film um, to bring the, the, um, the authenticity of what a true lobbyist is and what they do. And I don't think all lobbyists are evil. So um, <laughs> they have, they might well, have thank you for this. This is, you know, actually, yes. I don't want to, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what I can say. But thank you. And the idea, like as I told you off air a while back, there's three things I want to do in my life, just for like you know my my sort of bucket list. One was to write a book. Well, I've already done that. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Two was to have a um, a line in a movie, you know, a big movie hopefully, but a line in a movie. And so I could sit back late at night and go, ha, there's me, <laughs> you know. And the third one was yeah. to write a really trashy commercial hit song that makes a whole bunch of money. But I want to give you a round of applause for all the things <laughs> you're doing. So. And let's get the official gong <laughs> of announcements uh, for today. It. But yeah, yeah. I'll see how long we have here. I got buttons I can push. Yeah. You, you say I can push you buttons? Know. Yeah, I can push buttons. Yeah. And, you know, we have some big names attached to the film. I can't really um, 
expose. Yeah, don't uh, say what you can't say. People are. Don't, don't say what you yes, can't say. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, you got the title I, I don't film. Don't want to violate the contract. People can yes. look it up, and uh, you know, I guess people just want to know what it, what you know, what you can say about what it's about, and even that's going to be mysterious. But or what we can do is we can talk about lobbying, about what a lobbyist actually does, and I can give you like a little brief on that. Or do you have any questions? You know, we can kind of do a little, uh, a quick little training here for a few minutes, you know, right on the show. Or do you want yeah. to save it for later? It's up to you. I, you know, I just, you know, do you know what? I want to do a full show on okay. what a lobbyist does. And, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe practice some training. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I learn from you every single conversation. That's why I go to you. Um, mm-hmm. and, Thank you. Um, you know, and the reason why I got picked up for this film, and this just ended up, this just fell in my lap, um, mm-hmm. uh, was because of my case, um, my family court case, and me going pro per, and um, me being such an activist um, in the community and speaking at the Board of Supervisors, um, I was scheduled to go to Congress and, you know, testify in front of Congress. And I, I've just been a huge advocate for protective parents and for, um, for children. Um, and, um, you know, this, this film is, is, it's not just about, it's, it's an action packed film. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, training with the best. Um, I'm going to have an acting coach. Um, I'm going to have a, a workout trainer that trains the stars. I'm even going to have a professional pool player train me how to play pool. <laughs> so this is bringing I mean, lobbying into a whole different realm. See, there's, there's lobbyists and there's lobbyists, okay? So just I'll give people right. a, a brief scenario. So your basic, you know, like a public interest lobbyist, someone from a, a, a consumer group, environmental group, or things like that. Well, you know, I don't know what they do. But the, what they usually do is they go meet with legislators or, or their aides, and they, uh, they have a bill in mind, or they support a bill, or they have their own, you know, bill in mind, or they want something done. And it's for their group. So this is, this is what we call special interest, as opposed to general interest, which are bills that benefit everybody, which is what we do here at Action Radio. So the normal way to do it is to influence people. Uh, and then, it gets in, then there's the other side of lobbying. Okay? That's the, the public side is, you know, sit down and talk, and here's our bill, and here's why it's good for you, and here's why it's good for us, and we'd like to have you support on this bill. And then, we can, you know, then you get into the, well, here's how we can support you. Okay, so here's the dark side, right? So the dark right. side of lobbying, the, the interesting, the intriguing side, the side that nobody really talks about unless, unless you've actually seen it happen. And this is stuff I don't know because I was never a corporate lobbyist. I was always, you know, on the public interest side doing it very openly. Um, but the, the dark side is dinner, you know, trips. Um, you know, Epstein's Island, which we don't know about who went there or did what perks, um, you know, we'll do this for you. Uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, we'll give you all kinds of campaign money if you bring this company into you know, this district or if you make uh, give us a tax break for a new big, you know, like Amazon, say Amazon wants to get uh, locate somewhere new. They're going to go for tax breaks. I'll say, well, we'll bring, you know, 10,000 jobs to your district uh, if you give us a tax break. Uh, uh, and what's her name? Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez had a decision like that Ooh, and, and she said no she said no she she was offered i think amazon or some big company in her district and she being against corporate america you know well, they think, where do they think her where does she think her money comes from you know anyway so corporate america said well we can't have that we can't have you know so and her district was furious with her because she got rid of all those jobs she would have been met by lobbyists lobbyists would have said we're going to bring you this we're going to have x amount of tax dollars come in you know and i don't think they they quote wined and dined her necessarily but that happens too you know, how come for a business meeting? Oh, by the way, we have a Shafid, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, you know, 1896. You know, this bottle's worth, you know, eight, you know $800,000. Um, you know, want to try it? 
Yeah. Here's, and, oh, by the way, here's the bill. You know, so it's not really open. It's, it's, so it's very, it's very secretive. They can't openly bribe. Okay. But, you know, I don't know what else you would call it. <laughs> You know, when when the, when the when the dinners come out and the and the you know and the the escorts maybe I mean I don't know how far this goes. See, that's the dark world I don't know about, but we do know what happens. Right. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Um, just uh, I was an intern in Washington, so here I am. You know, naive Greg. I'm 20 years old and working late. For, I was working for the uh, uh, the Consumer Federation of America, which was a really nice group of people, and the director uh, at the time, Steve Brobeck. Uh, really incredibly uh, decent man. I didn't always agree with him because I was becoming more conservative, but he really showed me Washington. He taught me a lot of different stuff. That's not the main part of the story. Totally forget that. Uh, but I used to have, I was working late because uh, we, we, got, we got volunteered to work on the campaign uh, of, of one of the people on the crew that was running for Congress. And I didn't like that part too much because I'm, you know, I'm working from nine in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. I'm not being paid for it. Right? But the funny part was coming out of our office building 11 o'clock at night in Washington, all right. There are the ladies of the evening because I was down in the lobbying district. I was down in the, the, the K Street. You ever heard of the K Street lobbyists? This is where I was. And it was fascinating. And oh. so I got to know these women because uh, I'd see them every night. And, and I, I wouldn't say we were friends necessarily, but we, we certainly you know, got to talking a little bit. And then these, you know, these limos, and these, I remember this big green Ford LTD pulled up you know, with uh, somebody who looked important in the back seat. And off they went. It's <laughs> you know, like, oh, this, this is interesting. You know, of course, they knew I was a dirt poor intern. So to me, you know, I was just amusing to them. You know, here was, here was the young, poor, you know, college kid, right? So, so obviously a, it, there wasn't a, you know, a financial transaction going to take place at this particular thing. But they, they, these women, the three of them in particular, became friends of mine. And I heard, you know, I heard what I heard, right? So uh, the, the, whatever you think of happens in Washington, it, it really does happen. Okay, it really does. Oh, oh, <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, I you know, believe it. So, I definitely but that's, believe but it. That's, but it's interesting. Okay, so now, now was that a, because of a lobbyist who bought the limo and, uh, you know, one of my friends of the evening? <laughs> you know, or was it, uh, was it just a, a transaction of somebody that's just what they did? I don't know. All I know was a big green LTD board, something big, two-door, big, luxurious, you know, big. Um, and that's just one of my, my memories of Washington. I was like, wow, it really does happen like that. Just like in Pretty Woman, you know, the, the, the rich guy does pull up on the street corner and off they go. It's like, whoa, that's interesting. Anyway, so that's my insight. So lob, the world of lobbying, the dark, nasty side, uh, is basically money for influence. So I actually have a bill, and this is something to relate back to what we are talking about earlier, you know, of, of legislation. So to me, it never seemed to make sense that if you want to give a contribution to somebody running for office, uh, that that's judged the same as Corporation X or Lobbying Group X giving $100,000 in soft money or dark money or whatever kind of money, you know, to the party or to a pack or to all this other kind of stuff. So to me, money is money and you're still buying influence. Right. If, but right. The, the courts have said, and this is what gets interesting. This is a question for you. I'll get to your question in a second. So the question for you is when they say, okay, um, the courts have said that money to campaigns is free speech. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If someone, if you give $25 to a candidate running for office, yes, I believe that is free speech. You're giving them money so they can get their message out. That to me makes sense. That's free speech. Agreed with me so far? Right. Okay. Yep. So now corporation gives $100,000 to party X, you know, and they say, by the way, or to particular people gives, you know, a certain group on a certain committee, you know, the, the energy committee, say, uh, say an electric car company, a new one wants to compete with uh, Tesla. And they want a tax break and they want special benefits and they want all kinds of subsidies and all kinds of stuff like that. And say that the electric car company X 
you know, uh, goes to a bunch of members of Congress on the energy committee, um, the electric, you know, that regulates electricity and utilities and things like that, or whatever, whatever the connection is. And they say, hey, listen, we'd, uh, we'd really like to uh, help your campaign out. You know, we can give $100,000 to the, uh, the, the, the committee for electric cars or, or the, you know, the organization for electric. I'm making all this stuff up, right? So, so they'd say, and they might, they might want to help you out. So what do you think? If you could uh, help us by making it easier for, you know, electric car company X, you know, by giving us some tax breaks. And we're going to, you know, by the way, we've also, we believe in what you're doing. We, we think you're a sincere person. We'd like to give you half a million dollars for your campaign through all these different sources. Tell me that's not corruption. That's an oh investment. So, right, so, you, so you see the difference between an individual contribution and what these folks are doing in buying influence? The lobbyists go to make it a campaign contribution and work with the donors and say, yeah. look, we're going to fund your campaign if you can help us out with special legislation. It's not that overt. It's much more subtle than that. They can't do that because that's bribery. But is that not commerce? Are they not engaging in commerce by investing in a member of Congress who's on a particular committee who is in a position to award a particular benefit to electric car company X? Is that not an investment? Is that not commerce? You give so much money, expecting a greater amount of money in return. See, that's where I make the distinction. So if big companies want to do that, they're engaging in commerce. Well, commerce can be regulated, but free speech can't. You can't. You know, you can't stop it. And see, I would make individual contributions, you know, uh, unlimited as long as it was uh, uh, disclosed. And the person who did it, you know, it's okay. You know, or if you give over $1,000, it's disclosed. Because everybody knows where the money's coming from then. But the problem is, and then we can see, oh, okay, so so-and-so gave, you know, uh, $5,000 to so-and-so, and they own, you know, housing company, whatever, and the, uh, the county commissioner sits on the, uh, uh, you know, works with the developers to, you know, to allow for more developments. Okay, so that's a very common thing. That's, that's going in our county, by the way. Um, but that's all so let me ask you this. Let me ask uh-huh. you this real quick. So uh-huh. my sign, that's not... That, that falls under my First Amendment right to free free speech, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I know my, my fiance is like, yeah, I don't feel like going to jail tonight. <laughs> okay, let me talk about help. free speech. Uh, I'll tell you first, right, first Amendment and Second Amendment. Here's, here's the deal with, with rights. Rights are absolute. You have an absolute right to free speech. It cannot mm-hmm. be restrained prior to you making free speech. Okay. Same thing with guns. You have an absolute right to own and carry guns everywhere. That's what the Constitution says. Government cannot infringe on either of those rights. They can't touch the even most extreme outside edge. They cannot touch the right of you to say what you want or the right of you to own and carry firearms. So where, where is the line drawn? The line is drawn in yeah. use. The line is drawn in use. So in other words, when you use your right to free speech, you are responsible for how you exercise it. So the right itself right. cannot be touched. The, and it has to be. Otherwise, they would have restrictions. You'd have prior restraint, right? And we can't have prior restraint in a free society. So the right, the right of you to say what you want is absolute. However, once you say something, once you exercise the right, once you use the right, you're responsible for how you used it. So if you libel, if you slander, if you threaten a public official with, with violence, those things are all punishable by law. Now, oh, the yeah. law... The law is subordinate to the Constitution, but use comes under law, whereas right comes under the supreme law of the land, which is the Constitution. So the right can't be touched. You can misuse your right individually and be prosecuted for that and still not have the right of free speech be touched. Same thing with guns. You can, if you commit a bank robbery with a gun, you're using that gun illegally. That's statutory law, right? 
But see, this is the thing I know, Uh and and I I don't mean to interrupt. Oh no, go ahead. I'm 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 talking too much anyway. My ex-husband, he's been threatening me with a slander. He's going to sue me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've been putting these people on blast ever since they um, kidnapped my children. Mm-hmm. And tell me why I haven't been served or sued. Oh, that's doing that. Because they're everything doing, because they have no evidence. is true. Yeah, yeah well, Exactly. So the defense against libel and slander <laughs> is truth. If what you're saying is true, then you're not libeling or slandering. You know, if you know a public right. official who sleeps with fuzzy blue teddy bears and you say publicly, well, I know that uh, official so-and-so sleeps with fuzzy blue teddy bears and it happens to be true, they can't sue you for libel or slander because they're actually doing it. That's right. kind of funny, actually. You know, but that's an absurd example. But the <laughs> thing is, they, the, the reason that they do that is to make your life miserable. So lawsuits are brought a lot of times to cost you money, cost you time to make your life miserable. They may have no intentions of, of following this suit of prosecution or for fining or jailing or whatever the thing, usually with slander, it's a fine. Um, but they have no desire to do that. What they really want to do is screw your life up, to mess with you. Well, now this is my circuit, and now I'm going yeah. to, it, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone. That, that's not my intention. That's, that's that not the point. All. They do. But I want justice. Mm-hmm. That's what my, my family never deserved any of this, and mm-hmm. the fact that I can't even seek either. redress mm-hmm. and and um, find prote- protection that I've been petitioning the court since 2016, mm-hmm. um, and I can't even get you know my own my local law enforcement to protect me. I figured out why. Because I served them with a notice of liability back in April of this year. Mm-hmm. So they, they've been on legal notice. So now they're holding my kids hostage. And now they're, now they're taking it. I don't even know. You took on the at. system. You took on the, the local deep state. You took on the state deep state. <laughs> That's what you did. And you know what? I can give two flying Fs that I did it. That's right. I did. Well, I that's what makes you a warrior. That's, that's what makes you a warrior. You took, on the, you took on the state of California, deep state. Okay? But there's a price to be paid for that. So anyway, so, but getting back to rights, um, just to explain the difference so people understand, gun that control. That is my right, though. Oh, it is your right. But here's the thing. Gun control laws, restraints, all those kind of things, those are statutory. First of all, prior restraint we know is illegal. Uh, gun control itself is illegal. Carry permits, things like that, licenses, background checks. None of that stuff is legal. Like, what Did do you, you mean, know Greg? even having a bar it, it, it's license? Prior restraint. What's that? It, even having a bar license is is against the Constitution. You, well, yeah. you don't need a license to practice law. <laughs> well, insane. yeah, I mean, it should, they could make it a certification. You know, in other words, I mean, I, I wouldn't want people flying airplanes without without training and certification. Right. Having been a flight, right. having been a flight instructor, trust me. So, but the driver's license should be a certification. It should it should be a proof of your ability to drive, not a government permission slip. See, that's the difference. Same thing with with gun control. Gun control is prior restraint. It's taking away your guns for something that the government thinks you might do uh, or might want to do. You know, specifically to them if they're tyrants. Um, before you've actually done anything. That's why gun control is unconstitutional because it's prior restraint. Okay. So the same thing here. Um, So, so this is why gun control comes under statutory law, but statutory law is subordinate to constitutional law. So the constitution protects your right to own and carry firearms. That is absolute. 
once you use the right, now you fall under statutory law because there are legal uses and illegal uses. But what, you're, what the folks are doing with you is restraining you ahead of time. That is unconstitutional. That is a violation of your rights. A, you haven't done anything. And this is why it's right. so important to never have prior restraint. And they say, well, we want to make sure that people don't do mass public shootings. Okay, fine. Make guns easier to get for the, the good people. You know, there's a lot of right. things you can do, but we cannot, you cannot survive as a free country if you take the rights away of everybody for something that one person or two people might do, however horrendous that act is. The so greater, tell us you know, how to fight back. Okay, well, Just there's, there's several different levels. Okay, there's, there's, there's okay. many different levels. Okay, so the levels okay, are, are personally, notes. personally, you need people with uh-huh. you. Groups, lawyers, things like that. Uh, you, need, okay. you need to go after the judge. Now, we've got a very interesting guest tomorrow that you're going to really enjoy. Uh, John Gentry, who's running for governor in Tennessee, has something called a Ooh. right of remonstrance or remonstrance. What it is is a way to remove public officials. So you want to listen to the show tomorrow. He'll be on oh. at, uh, I think, 8 o'clock Central Time. Let me check it out. Uh, yeah, John's on at uh, 8 o'clock. John I'm, I'm sorry, can I get... So look, yeah, he's, he's got videos on my page. John, G-E-N-T-R-Y, okay. right of remonstrance or remonstrance. Anyway, he's got videos. It's on my page. Go to the Action Radio legal page. He's there. Okay. So he'll be on tomorrow. Okay. Uh, in fact, you can call and talk to him if you want. And he'll probably uh, find this fascinating. I don't want to spend, you know, we can't spend the hour on your case because he's going to want to talk about no, a lot of different I don't, stuff. I don't but we can certainly take a few minutes. I'm sick yeah. of my case. <laughs> Okay. Well, well here's, just, just before I go, I want to make another announcement, too. Uh, also tomorrow, uh, the Surgeon General of Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo, is going to be on with us. And we're going to talk about our citizen what? legislation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I've been working on that for about a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, look at the people we've had on. We have Peter, so, we have Peter I'm Navarro. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. I'm, well, I, I, I I'm got friends. so proud of you. <laughs> I got friends now. People like our ideas. No, but let me yeah. tell you, the uh-huh. moment I met you... I feel like, okay, and maybe maybe people might not agree, but this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. You're like a prophet. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I and mean, I don't aspire to that. Why. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, that, that's a big honor. To I'm be, not saying like, yeah. I'm not saying in a religious way, but mm-hmm. you're actually, you, okay, so you were given a vision, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're taking action. And some people, they just sit on that vision. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's just a dream of mine, whatever, right? And, and to each its own, whatever. You know, I'm not judging, but you took something and you ran with it. And you knew that it was going to be effective. And you're bringing in people. You're bringing in, you know, people that are high up in mm-hmm. in yeah. our government. And you're asking them some uncomfortable questions. And I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, you're going to piss people off. I'm pretty sure you're going to make people feel uncomfortable. But guess what? You are doing amazing things. I admire you. Well, I thank you very much. So, I'm so blessed. To um, to be working with you and to be trained by you and to be in this film with you and also uh, get, you know allowing me to be on your platform and to tell my story as well as look for solutions. I'm not just mm-hmm. telling my story just to tell it. You're right. giving me solutions, and that's what people need. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from my Aww. family. 
and to you, Bean, and I'm I'm just so great. My heart is exploding with gratefulness and gratitude. Thank you so much, Greg. I truly appreciate your work. Wow, I'm getting all choked up here. This is great. Let me give you a round of applause. Well, thank you very much. Well, you know, it, it's funny you should say that because this, you know, I, I talk about this with people too. I say, well, you know, and people will say, you know, this, I'm only one person. What can I do? Well, well let me tell you, <laughs> I was only, I'm only one yeah. person too, you know, with an idea. But you've, if, you, if you really believe in what you're doing, and this is the thing, you've got to, if you have an idea, first of all, you have to have a really good idea. And I've had a lot of bad right. ideas for, for decades, okay? This one, is a really, <laughs> this one is a really good idea, hey, okay? And I knew this I knew hey, it when I thought well, of it. We live life by trial and error, right? Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the bad ideas don't work, and it's a free market, right? So the good, but this right. idea also evolved, too. I didn't start off. I started off wanting to be a talk show host, and then I wanted to be a really great talk show host. Then I wanted to be a revolutionary talk show host. And then, I had a, then gradually this whole process of, of combining a citizen legislature kind of evolved. This was a multi-year process to figure out how to do all this. But you've got to, you know, Einstein said it best, 2% inspiration, 98% perspiration. So you've got to do the work. And you've got to be prepared mm-hmm. to risk everything, okay? So anybody that wants to yeah. do something new and different, and Jordan Peterson, you know, Peterson said that the creative people really have a tough time because the world doesn't know how yeah. to handle creative people. They don't know how to, how to handle us on the job. They don't know how to handle us in life. You know, they certainly didn't know how to handle me in school because you know, I always said, you know, it's like, here are your three options. Well, I want the fourth one. Well, there's no fourth one. Yeah, there is. <laughs> That's how my life is. So, right. but you think, but if you have an idea, and you do the same thing, this is to your credit as well. You have an idea, you're running with it. You're, you're not accepting the court. You're not accepting what the lawyers are telling you. You're not accepting that this is the way it has to be just because someone else said this is the way it has to be. So that's to your credit. This is why I love working with you because you're gutsy. I refuse you know, to you're, be you're just, submissive you know. to these people. Can't do it. These people are vile. <laughs> well, and the, most of them are cowards. To, That's the dirty yeah. little secret. Most of them are cowards. You know, they have their power because they're terrified that people are going to find out they really don't have any power, and they use power as a way to. They're like like narcissists, or as I call them, empty black holes of eternal selfishness. They can never get enough power right. to feel to feel confident, so they have to rule over everybody else. So we have to defeat them. But once you know their patterns, you can do that. Anyway, so you're, you're fighting on so many different levels. Uh, this is why it gets complex. But uh, the movie is going to be a blast. Uh, you're going to make oh, all the lobbyists. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, and I'm, I'm curious. Do you think I'm going to make a good? Do you think oh, yeah. I'm going to make a good lobbyist? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah, nervous. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. No, don't be nervous. Now you're going to be fine because what you're going to do is is learn how to be disarming. And learn how to be, uh, you know, and you'll find you'll, you'll you'll get great insights into people. Lobbying is people. You know, here, I'll give you a little secret, and, uh, and I don't mind sharing this. An old corporate lobbyist wrote this years and years ago, uh, and he said, don't beg, don't threaten, and don't assume you're right 100% of the time, if you can keep that in mind. So, so don't beg when you're asking for something for legislation. Don't threaten. Uh, in order to this, we're going to cut off your campaign funding. Don't threaten, and don't assume you're right. So lobbying is education, but it works both ways. So when somebody is talking to you, when you're presenting a, a bill, say you have a racketeering bill, right? And you want to present a racketeering bill to a state legislator. And they say, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. And have you thought of this? And, you know, I've been to law school and here's what's possible. Don't discount that because they're probably going to know something you don't know. So you work with them. It's an education process. But, but take the education from them. Understand how they understand themselves and understand their role and understand their limitations. And they will tell you. People spell all this stuff out to you. They'll tell you exactly how best to lobby them. You have to be listening. And once you can do that, then you're really going to be sharp. 
And so you're going to be disarming at first because it's like, you know, you're, you're just drop dead gorgeous, first of all, and, and, and you know, you're nice and sweetheart, you know, and all that stuff is, is going to be, you know, that's nice to have. Um, but it, it, in terms of lobbying, you know, people are going to, you know, doors will open for you because you don't look like, you know, the three piece suit, cigar smoking, you know, almost mafia yeah. personality saying, well, let me tell you, you know, young member of Congress, you know, with the, with the gray hair, you know, the, the, the big lobbyists, the ones that actually don't do this anymore. The ones sitting back in the offices oh. in their, in their, in their, you know, $10,000 three piece suits. That's what people think oh. of as a lobbyist. And you are, so wait a minute. Well, who's this woman here? She's kind of interesting. And And that is one of the reasons why uh um, Mario wanted to cast me. Uh And I was like, oh, my God, I have a full sleeve tattoo. He's like, perfect, because Uh you're going to make that modern-day lobbyist that is going to be one badass. And I was Uh like, I like your thought process. (laughs) Uh Exactly. And And that's the thing, too. So you be yourself, and you just talk to people like people. Don't think of yourself. Yeah. See, the biggest problem, the, the biggest mistake the salespeople, and very much you're a salesperson, the biggest mistake the salespeople make is they treat people like objects. They don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, put yourself in, in their place, okay? So if you want to sell somebody a car, the best way to do that is to put yourself in their place. What do they need? Right. You know, I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was looking at cars. I did sell cars once upon a time. Oh, see, now that's perfect. So that, now you're going <laughs> to use that insight. Use that insight in selling cars. Now, did you sell cars because you beat people into it or because you gave them a product? Because I gave them a what? I'm sorry? Did you, did you sell cars because you beat people into it, intimidated them into it, threatened them into it? Or did you do it because no. you, you actually listened to them and gave them what they wanted and matched them with the right car? Absolutely. Obviously, that's I a rhetorical question. Trim levels. It, it, yeah. I had to yeah. learn trim levels like you wouldn't believe, but the money was good. <laughs> okay. But in other words, but you sold cars, but people talked to you. Uh-huh. They would probably request you after a while because you, didn't, oh, you yeah. didn't screw around with them, right? You told them the truth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I got top dog. Well, they call it top dog. Um, I, I got top rep um, out of all four stores. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was like six months in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what, we, what did you do that was different? What, what made you different than the other car salespeople? You know, I'm an empath. So I really just, I acted like the, I was their best friend, their cousin, their sister, their, you know, like, like I've known them my whole life. And you're right. I mean, I, next thing you know, they were sending me birthday gifts. They were congratulating me on, you know, the birth of my daughter. They were, you know what I mean? I became really, really close friends with them. So Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. I connected with them on a different level that, you know, normal sales reps don't. Mm -hmm. You're going to do exactly the same thing as a lobbyist. Exactly. Okay, you made me feel better. (laughs) No, I mean, all those skills are going to be critical. I mean, the fact that you have those skills. You know, the fact that you're very personable, that people will talk to you and let them talk, let them explain, yeah. you know, what, you know, what their objections are. It's just like, you know, just like closing a sale. I mean, lobbying is very much like closing a sale, but it's different because you're dealing with lives, you're dealing with law, you're dealing on a much different know. level. You know, you're not just trying to make a living so you can, you know, pay your boat payment or whatever car sales people yeah. do. I don't know. You know, you know. But that's a stereotype. But lobbyists have a stereotype. So you got to get past the stereotype. You know, you don't look like a lobbyist. So you get past the stereotype. You don't sound like a lobbyist. So you get past the stereotype. You're not, uh, you know, you're not handing out money like crazy. You're not doing, well, unless you are, I don't know. We'll see what the roll calls for. It'd be interesting. Uh, but you're not, <laughs> you know, you're, you're defying the stereotype. So people will actually talk to you. And once the legislators and their aides, and the aides are sometimes more important, or the committee staff, once they feel that they can talk to you 
as a person and that you're going to hold confidences that they can trust you. They can trust you the information. Well, we really like to sponsor this bill, but we can't do it because, you know, once you get that information, that information is worth gold because now they trust you. Mm-hmm. Don't use it against them. That's another mm-hmm. secret. Don't use information against people. If they trust you and they tell you things, say, okay, let's, let's see how we can work this out. You know, and maybe make modifications in the bill or whatever it is you're trying to lobby. Don't use it against them. Because once you make an enemy of them, they will tell everybody else they know. You've made an enemy of the, the entire Congress, the entire congressional staff. Be very careful. Don't make enemies. You know? And again, don't beg, don't threaten, and don't assume you're right 100% of the time. That's the basic formula okay. for lobbying. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to make one heck of a film and... Yeah, you get to be a part of it and have a oh, cameo. Are you excited? Yeah, I have to probably like dress up and look like a lobbyist myself. I don't wear ties though. I mean, I hope that's not required. Well, yeah, I would for the movie. I, I would for the movie. You know, I just I don't. I just you know, I'm a radio guy. See, <laughs> quick, I, I'm, we, we do t-shirts. It's funny. I was in LA um, for another uh, film project that I'm involved in. Just real quick, this is actually a funny story. Are we still so on your I'm show, in, by the way, or, or are we on on my yeah. show? Um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> well, that's fine. I, was like, I don't mind. I'm just saying because I was going to play a couple of uh, uh, announcements, commercials, but I didn't want to put them on your show unless you don't mind me doing that. But I'm, I don't. Oh yeah, that. you can go ahead and, and yeah. Okay, for sure. so so when we're done, I'll just play a couple of things, and that'll actually give promos and, and tell more people about Action Radio. But I got a couple more sponsors um, to cover okay. for today. But I didn't want to put it on your show unless that was okay with you. So I just wanted to ask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The more okay. the merrier. Absolutely. Okay. So any Good. way that I can help you. I am game. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. So well, why you're doing you the best thing you can and... do. You know, the fact that I'm on your podcast, the fact that people are listening to what we're doing here, and they go to writeyourlaws.com and go through all proposed laws, take a look at the different bills that we're sponsoring. We have, uh, I'll just do it real quickly. The, the most important ones right now, put full product vaccine liability on, on Big mm-hmm. Pharma. The second most important one, well, they're both pretty much equal, ends big tech censorship. We found a way to, to make their liability from, from a lawsuit conditional on them not touching what you do on social media and um, with search engines. Uh, the next biggest one really? is, is, oh, yeah, those are the two big bills. Well, I'll send them to you because if you learn to, you know, to lobby our bills, yeah. you can practice for lobbying the movie bills. All right. But, uh, the ne- in fact, if well, you want to, why don't you, why don't you be just a lobbyist? Oh, so go ahead. Then I got an idea for you. I, I want to create my own bill. Okay. Yeah. I, but if you want to practice. I, I think that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice with your audience with our product liability, vaccine product liability, because that's going to stop all the mandates immediately. In fact, there'll be the most massive yeah. recall uh, in history, in world history, you know, if you, if you make the, the big pharma liable for the vaccines they're producing. The second one is big tech censorship. If you, if you say that uh, anybody can sue big tech for touching their account, for touching what they post, or for arranging the search engines in any way, and they're liable for that, all that mm-hmm. stuff will stop. Here's the big bill, and this is the one that uh, you can announce to your audience and see if they want to help with. A constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Oh. Yeah. Think about that. No more inflation. Mm -hmm. National debt gets paid off in about 30 or 40 years. The value of money increases. Savings increase. The purchasing power of the dollar increases. Inflation goes away. We actually get to deflation, which means prices drop. The more valuable the dollar, the lower prices get. Power transfers from the banks and the government to the people. It looks like Julia just dropped. 
which is too bad. <laughs> or call just or your call ended or something happened. But anyway, just for the folks that are still listening, that's that's what happens if you if you take away the power of Congress to borrow money, we will be a prosperous nation like you cannot imagine. That's why that's such an important bill. And people say, but Greg, but Greg, how are you going to fund the wars? <laughs> well, we're not going to have the wars because we're not going to be able to wage war for 20 years on on interest payments, on on borrowing from the from the from the you know creating a national debt. What about emergencies? Okay, save up for them like everybody else does. No emergencies that expensive. We can't save up for it. Anyway, that's how you do it. All right, I'm going to end now. It looks like Julia's already gone, uh, and I'm over time anyway. So thank you all for listening as long as you have. And again, you can always listen to our show in pieces. I put show notes in. You can take care of it that way. Let me just play a couple more things, and I'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time and hear from the the Gulf Coast of Florida up in the Panhandle uh, in Milton near Pensacola, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates. W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939.
888-379-2539. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.